0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Week on the Alt-Right. Today, we have a lot of guests on, so we're going to see how this works. Uh, Hopefully, it will go well. But I can't guarantee it with so many people. So we have Coach Red Pill. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Coach Red Pill, please.
1: Uh, I run a YouTube channel, for the most part. And it's about uh, helping out young guys to figure out the world as it actually is. And thank you so much, Tara, for having me on.
0: Fantastic great to have you on and we've also got I'm just going down and kind of like the order that I'm seeing you guys on the screen we've got Mark Collette uh, my co-host you will know about him hopefully but for the new people perhaps Mark could tell us a little bit about himself.
2: Hello everyone it's great to have you all back it's a bit different to be here on a Wednesday but we're back again on Friday which is our usual time slot. Um, I'm obviously available on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube and if you want to hear more from me please sub my YouTube channel because new content comes out every week. And you can also read my book, which is called The Fall of Western Man. And you can download that for free or purchase it in hardback and paperback. And since last week's show, I have bought Stephen's book, which is called Make Self-Knowledge Great Again, which is something I've started reading. So please, if you do have the money please support all the guests if they've written books or if they've got youtube channels it's great that you help us all out so thanks for being here and i hope you enjoy the show
0: yeah and i'll just add that i've um i've tried to put everyone's um links in the description below if you do have an interest in finding them uh, at any point during the show uh so peter sweden tell us about yourself Peter, can you hear me? Apology.
3: Yes, uh, I had trouble getting my uh, my mute off there. <laughs> I had myself on mute there. Sorry about that. Uh, yes, Earl, I'm an independent journalist uh, reporting on uh, news mainly from Sweden and elsewhere that the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. So uh, that's basically what I do. Uh, I'm on YouTube, uh, Peter Sweden on YouTube and on Twitter at Peter Sweden 7
0: Great. And we also have new person this week, is Ryan Falk from The Alternative Hypothesis. I hope you're all familiar with his work, but you may not be. Tell us a little bit about what The Alternative Hypothesis is all about, Ryan.
4: The uh, Alternative Hypothesis is just a uh, white nationalist propaganda outlet. <laughs> That's basically all what it is. Um, old man on the internet, been around for a while, and I just make videos about what I wanna make videos about. So you can check out my channel if, if you like it. Make three videos a week. That's about it.
0: Yeah, and it's very uh, science-oriented. And I think that you 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 have a very kind of cutting-edge take on the, a lot of the science, I think. So I really appreciate watching your videos. Uh, okay, you. next up we've got Steve Franson. Tell us about yourself.
5: Hey, I'm Steve Franson. I am a philosopher, an author, a consultant. You can find me. On Twitter, that's where I have the most fun. I'm big into the culture war. I'll do everything it takes to win. So that's why I'm here.
0: Nice. And Kaylin, tell us about yourself.
6: Um, I'm the co founder of the Culture Report, a site which is described by the far left as literally Hitler and the far right as. Uh, uh, apologist for, I don't know, leftist narratives. Um, I uh, do interviews and social commentary, and I'm going uh, up and down the UK on the ground reporting on things in the mainstream media aren't covering.
0: Well, it's always nice to have Hitler incarnate joining us. Um, so I think that's everyone. And uh, yeah, so today, obviously, one of the main topics we're talking about is uh, the sexual scandals happening in Hollywood. Um, who has been covering that the best? Um, Steve? I've been following
1: it quite closely. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, Coach
0: Red Pill, okay. Would you mind giving us a quick overview for for everyone?
1: Sure. Uh, this has been an open secret in Los Angeles and Hollywood in the industry for decades now, literally decades. Uh, ever since, uh, Miramax hit the scene back in the late 80s that Harvey Weinstein, one of the co-founders of Miramax and lately, uh, one of the the co-head of the Weinstein Company a uh, very large and very powerful uh, film production company, uh, has been essentially sexually assaulting uh, women, uh, specifically actresses, but also assistants and, uh, and assorted uh, young women who are trying to get into the industry. He's been uh, assaulting them for decades. And uh, the open secret was that a lot of uh, very famous actresses at one time or another were assaulted by him and um, and or owe their career to sexual favors that they gave to him over the decades. Um, I'm not going to name names specifically, but you can all can guess which which actresses we're talking about. Now, uh, lately what happened was that a couple of um, accusations came to light and also a sting that the New York Police Department carried out on Harvey Weinstein, whereby they put a microphone on a young Italian actress. I don't know if she was an actress or a model or something like that, Um, where she was um, essentially groped and and for all intents and purposes sexually assaulted by uh, Harvey Weinstein, and that was captured. Um, There's a recording circulating, and and it was a big nightmare. Now, uh, over the years, Harvey Weinstein paid off um, at least, I believe, eight separate instances, at least eight, to the tune of approximately $100,000 each case at each payout. Uh, But all of these actresses are coming out of the woodwork. Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie have said that they were assaulted at one point or another. Uh, Rose McGowan, the same thing. Um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow saying that, um, what's his name, Brad Pitt confronted uh, Harvey Weinstein back in the late 90s, and yet this behavior continued over the decades. And so it's exposing the hypocrisy of Hollywood that, claims all kinds of nonsense about uh, women in the film industry and and how sh- they should be, you know, helped and supported and all the rest of it. And yet nobody in Hollywood said anything over the years about uh, Harvey Weinstein and what he was doing, which, as I said, was a, com- a a completely open secret. I mean, it wasn't even a secret. It was common knowledge that he would Uh, sexually assault women, or else he would demand sexual favors from them in order to advance their careers, with the obvious um, evidence being that if they did not accede to his demands for sexual favors, he would hurt their careers. And point of fact, Mira Sorvino, for instance, the Academy Award-winning actress, um, has alleged that her career was... Uh, severely damaged by Harvey Weinstein precisely because she did not accede to his demands for sexual favors. So that's the nightmare that's going on right now for poor Harvey. Even his wife left him. (laughs) That's the news that came out today. So um, if I were Harvey Weinstein, I would, um, I want to find a very deep, dark hole and and scurry into it. (laughs) And so that's what's going on so far as that's concerned.
0: Excellent overview. Thank you. Um, And I think what's interesting also is the kind of close relationships we're seeing between these very perverse and corrupt people in Hollywood, and also many politicians, namely Hillary Clinton. Culture Report. Kaylin, do you have anything to say on this?
6: It's interesting about Hillary Clinton. I always ask myself, and I think it's a good question to say if Hillary won, would this story have actually come out? I don't think it would have. I think it would have been suppressed at the highest level, I think, because Trump won. It's one of the only reasons it came out. I mean, this stuff isn't just going on in the you know, in the film industry. Look at the music industry, look at Kesha and her accusations and young girls starting out, look at the politics industry, look at Dolphin Square in Britain. You can look at, you know, TV, Jimmy Savile, this stuff has been going on for the last several decades. The only thing that's different about the Harvey Weinstein story is that it was sort of young girls that he was molesting normally, it's sort of young boys that these guys in power are going after. I don't know why this, it usually this this disproportionate amount of abuse that happens when you put gays in a position of power. They end up sort of doing some of the most horrendous things possible. That's the only thing that's different about this story. Um, I When I first moved to London, I was invited to like, you know, I was like 18, 19, I was invited to all sorts of strange penthouse parties. I didn't really know what they were about and started to hear stories from friends and people who were actually at the party is that there were these, you know, cocaine-fueled things uh, where, you know, young people would go around, young boys would go around with trays of cocaine on them, not wearing any clothes, handing them around to film directors from America and things like that. I've actually seen, not that, but I've, you know, been around that when I was 18 and first moved to London. It's really, really overwhelming, but it's so common. It's, it's, it's something that happens everywhere. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's being exposed more often now because of the internet because of people like Trump allowing it, I guess. Uh, without you know suppressing it at the highest level, but uh, it's it's literally an epidemic. It's happening everywhere with everyone in power in every country. It's a disaster.
0: Right, and I know that there has been previously some um, confusion caused by the by the use of the word boys and very young. Would you mind? I mean, is there an actual age you could give us, uh, Kaylin, for what you've heard about happening at these gay parties in London?
6: I haven't heard of anything under the age of sort of 15. Usually what happens is you get these young, the parties I've been to and things like that, usually you'll have, I mean, it wasn't really going on while I was there, but in the same house and by the same hosts, I found out. Usually they're 15, 16, they're young boys who have had chaotic lives, they've left home because, I don't know, they came out and the parents threw them out or they got addicted to drugs or something like that. They go to nightclubs, they get picked up by older guys who take them to parties, who say, here's an unlimited free amount of drugs. You can stay here, you can sleep here. It's a really glamorous life. You can buy your clothes, we can buy you shopping. And they basically adopt these 15, 16 year old kind of runaways. And then as soon as they get to sort of 1920, they just completely abandon them because it's not the ideal age anymore. This is something I've seen loads of times. I've actually spoken to someone who was 17 who had been been through it called Race in London, Um, and so that's how they get in that position. It's not not like we're talking about seven, eight-year-olds. That happens, but it's around the sort of 15, 16 age. I don't know why, but that seems to be the ideal for for these predators, you know, in in positions of power. Uh, Yeah, it's very bizarre.
0: And in the UK, you know, we also have a number of politicians who are alleged to have been involved in this kind of thing. And we often have stories where, you know, the police who are supposed to be investigating this just lost all the evidence and stuff like this. And it's it's just an ongoing thing. What do you make of it, Mark, if you've been following this?
2: I have been following it, and obviously, it's it's been a, how could you not follow it? I mean, I read the Daily Mail every morning, and it's probably been out of the top 10 stories. This has probably been at least five of the top 10 stories. Now, obviously, people are going to talk about Weinstein. They're going to talk about his, you know, ethnic origin, and exactly sort of how predatory he's been. But I like to come at this from a slightly different angle. And the angle I'm coming at this from is there's been all these women... Who have come out, they've attacked Trump, they've gone on these big marches, they've tried to rally women to fight against the Republicans, and they've been calling Trump this predator, that you know, accusing him of sexual impropriety, accusing him really of being the worst thing for women ever. But all of these women have been pictured arm-in-arm with Harvey Weinstein. They've supported him. They've stayed silent. Really, they're complicit in the crimes because they knew these things were going on, but they've all stayed silent. And Hillary Clinton, who obviously is married to an abuser, accepted huge donations from Harvey Weinstein. And she isn't paying them back. She's accepted his money, yet she's meant to be the candidate for women, the candidate who was meant to be making life in America more equal for women. Now, all of these feminists, they absolutely love to bang on about rape culture. Yet all the women talking about rape culture are actually the women who have supported Harvey Weinstein and refused to come out and tell the truth and henceforth are complicit in the crimes that he carried out. And it really does show... Hollywood's seedy underbelly and the two-faced nature of the people pushing feminism, the people pushing multiculturalism, the people telling you to vote for Hillary, because they're the ones carrying out the real abuse against women whilst attacking people like Donald Trump, attacking people on the right who stand for morality, and attacking the people on the right for being anti-women when in fact, really, all we want is a return to healthy traditionalism.
0: What do you think, Steve? Is the left pro or anti-woman from your perspective?
5: Well, the, the left is virulently anti-woman, and Mark, you really took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, you know, all these Hollywood actors, they're preening and posturing, and it's the game of fame, and they, everyone goes to Hollywood, and you got to play the game to get in there, and where are the parents? Where are the adults? You know, this is like a sick carousel. Uh, These women just run through this carousel of fame, lorded over by these perverts. Where are the adults? Where are the parents? Where are the families? And we see this more and more, the decadence, the slide into nihilism and leftism and socialism, in Hollywood, the films, this is, uh, you know, this is not going to go away, and I think we have to hammer them right now. We have to hammer Hollywood as hard as we can, so we can pry this right open. Because if we don't, we don't really care about women. We can't say ourselves that we care about women. So,
0: yeah. Well, if you look at Miley Cyrus, I mean, I did not really follow a lot of these celebrities, but from what I can tell, it's actually their parents who get them into this stuff, um, and. You know, this you could probably say this for a lot of uh, different Hollywood celebrities and singers like Britney Spears, Christina Agu- Agu- Aguilera. <laughs> it's like their parents actually get them into this stuff and turn a blind eye when they're sexualized at very young age. Uh, you know, very similar pictures of uh, Angelina Jolie, who was also associated with this guy um, as a teenager. So it's pretty. Disturbing stuff, um, Peter. Do you have anything to add on this, maybe from a Christian perspective?
3: Yes, uh, I have a couple of things that I would like to say on this story. I think uh, I think Mark did a very good point there, uh, by the way, with uh, with these uh, feminists going out campaigning for for Hillary and so on, and just completely ignoring this. It, it, it reminds me of the feminists in Sweden who who goes on about the rapes, uh, about you know. Rape uh, women being raped in Sweden, and I just import all these migrants that uh, well add to the statistics, you can say. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at Hollywood in particular, and I think Hollywood and the entertainment industry, especially in America, you know, if you look at who are running these uh, things, it's the same elite that are running uh, the Hollywood entertainment industry as as are running the other. You know that as as the other elite, uh, elite, you know, banks and so on, um, it's all the same elite that are running these things and trying to destroy uh, Western civilization and culture, poisoning it. You know, you look at, it, and it's not the singers themselves; it's the the ones I would I think we should focus on who are actually the real problem here are the people behind them. The singers are and entertainers; are just actors; they're just puppets uh, who. Um, Do as they are told, you know. There's lots of, uh, you know, they they come in in at a young age. They get uh, indoctrinated, brainwashed, and so on to perform sick, uh, degenerate acts uh, on on stage. You know, we have just look at Justin Bieber how he went from a nice young boy to a well, not 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 that nice uh, young man later on. Look at Miley Cyrus as I said. Look at Katy Perry. You know, she went from a relatively nice. uh, Young, she was actually a Christian uh, girl at one point, uh, doing Christian country uh, music uh, before she got uh, turned into Hollywood. And uh, well, now she's basically I don't know I don't know what she's doing. Now she's basically a Satanist. Uh, she's uh, she's completely gone, completely degenerate and sexualized. Uh, you know, you remember back in a couple of years ago. She was the one that really started pushing uh, a lot of. Uh, she had this song where she was saying, I Kissed the Girl, uh, which I think was uh, uh, around this time when they were trying to introduce gay marriage and so on. Uh, so, so they are really responsible for pushing a lot of the degeneracy out there. And you have to look at who is behind this.
1: Well, I, I don't know about who's behind it, but I, what I would point out about this whole issue in so far as Weinstein is concerned, and this whole issue, is that what it highlights is the hypocrisy of all these people because you see, they, they keep on saying that women have to be brave and stand forward and all the rest of it. And you see, the the issue of uh, Harvey Weinstein assaulting these women, this was an open secret. Everybody knew this in Hollywood. Uh, I was peripherally in the industry in the late 90s, and uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and. Who I'm, I'm just like the, the, the most uh, moronic person insofar as gossip is per- concerned. You know, I, I find out things. I'm usually the last person to hear about stuff. You know, and even I heard about this this stuff. And like I said, I was very peripheral insofar as the industry is concerned. This was going on. Everybody knew that certain actresses' uh, careers were being boosted because they were giving Harvey Weinstein certain sexual favors. This is famously exposed with the whole uh, Gretchen Maul incident when a, a, a relatively minor actress, a very beautiful young woman, but very minor insofar as the, her acting is concerned, you know, a, a secondary best, and all of a sudden she's on the cover of Vanity Fair because Harvey Weinstein wanted her on the cover of Vanity Fair, and he made a big to-do about putting her on that cover. And everybody's like, why is she the new it girl? She hasn't done anything. She doesn't, you know, and she's not, you know. God bless her, She is not even that particularly talented, but all of a sudden she's she's here. Well, why is it? And now, retrospectively, it's quite obvious. Here's something else I want to add. I I suppose out of pure interest, but it's a lot of fun to think about it. Uh, 4chan, uh, several months ago, uh, somebody on 4chan posted something and and said specifically to screen cap it. Because as you all know, 4chan, as listeners might not know, 4chan uh, sort of like uh, automatically deletes stuff after a certain amount of time. And uh, some 4chaner posted something and said that the whole issue of the fappening, if you all recall the issue of the um, cell phone hack where all those actresses um, all of a sudden made it onto the internet and and there was a big scandal about it, all of these very intimate pictures of all of these very famous actresses all of a sudden all at once uh, appeared on the internet and it was dubbed the fappening. And uh, a lot of people said, oh, you know, somebody must have hacked into um, Apple's iCloud system. And Apple, of course, defended itself vehemently, saying, no, nobody hacked into iCloud at all. Nobody can, and blah, blah, blah. And this uh, 4chaner said, this was months ago, he said, "Pictures. Um, they didn't come from an iCloud leak. They came from a very, very large, very famous, who lost his phone. He lost his phone, and somebody broke it in, broke into it. And all these pictures are pictures that he had on his personal phone because they, had, they were pictures that he had gotten from actresses who had committed sexual favors to him. Now, that was the the, the 4chan post months ago. And, you know, as 4chan posts go, they, they sort of like slid under back underneath the water of the Internet. And here we are, and all of a sudden, this old 4chan post is making the rounds on Twitter. I don't know if you've all seen it. And, uh, yeah, it, it seems that potentially the whole fapping issue was um harvey weinstein's phone and so i think that this candle has a lot more legs to it i think that we're only starting to see the beginning of it and to tie in a little bit to what colin was saying uh, i'm sorry uh, is that how you pronounce your name Co- colin i'm I'm terribly sorry kaylin um kaylin i'm so sorry uh what kaylin was saying about these um you know parties with young boys and what have you uh, a lot of people in Hollywood have been talking about uh, pedophilia, young uh, pedophilia, and that it is a big thing. Elijah Wood, a few uh, couple of years ago, mentioned something, and it, it caused a bit of a to-do, but then it went under underground once again. Perhaps this will be an opportunity to clean out Hollywood because that issue of um, um, male homosexual pedophilia is quite prevalent in Hollywood, and there are a lot of big names involved in it, household names. And perhaps this might be an impetus for that to, that to finally be revealed, and sort of like clean up the town because Hollywood really is a sordid place.
5: Would so. there be anyone
6: left if you did that? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: per- perhaps only the boring people. If you think about it, yeah. You know. Well, maybe it,
4: not. Maybe not in good in good riddance. Um, one thing I've noticed in, in all this stuff is that. Um, these people, they call themselves like the left and they say they have these values. For example, like women should be independent and women should be um, symmetrical to men in terms of their relationship, that they should follow careers just as much as men and stuff like that. And what you, what you see with this Weinstein stuff is that their actual behavior sort of totally goes against everything they're talking about, like in terms of not only the female dynamic, but also with these young boys, that's sort of like a power relation. What you were talking about. I forget which one which one of you was talking about, but you were talking about how they bring these young boys when they're young and then they kick them out when they're like nineteen or twenty and no longer in that proper physique or whatever. Um, that's kind of a, a exploitative power relation that any you know uh, plumb line Huffington Post liberal would find atrocious right? They would find that kind of an atrocious sort of exploitation, um, you know, power dominance thing, you know, that goes against all their values. And, and like with the Islam thing and the bringing in of these rapey migrants, right? That's another hypocrisy. That's kind of a dead horse that people have beaten for a long time. But what you see in, in a pattern here is that all of these values, all of these, quote unquote, leftist pieties, that they push and i only use the term leftist because that's sort of the common uh, common term that people understand i don't really like it but the all the all of these quote unquote leftist pieties they don't actually live by it all right and when they do, and and so what that kind of uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong that doesn't necessarily mean that all these values are wrong because you can say oh i have all these values but i'm not able to live by them or whatever but when you see systematically nobody lives by these values on a mass scale, right, in terms of how they're they're behaving on a day-to-day basis. You know, you look at, for example, liberals caring about the poor, but they don't actually either live by them and they actually don't donate to charity. Um, You're seeing a pattern is that this just seems to be a sort of synthetic set of beliefs that you're supposed to say you believe or maybe even convince yourself that you do believe them, but it's not something – it's not – how do I put this – it's not a real. This, this may maybe going a bit overboard, but it doesn't seem like it's even a real belief system. It's just sort of a menagerie of, of, uh, of fashionable things to say you believe, you know.
2: Well, something I wanted to add to what Peter Sweden said earlier, he was talking about people like Miley Cyrus and their uh, sort of decline. And some people seem to think that these people have been corrupted or it's accidental. I don't believe that for a minute. I think Miley Cyrus was all part of a game. I think they promote these people initially as relatively healthy, family friendly, people that parents um, and guardians wouldn't be too objectionable to. So Miley Cyrus, when she was Hannah Montana, it was Relatively harmless fun. Um, she had long hair. She was obviously, you know, very uh, sort of normal looking. She was kind of the archetypal sort of young sort of tween girl. And I think most young girls would have been attracted to that, attracted to that persona, and most parents wouldn't have been too objectionable to it. And the fa- and the show was obviously also based around her family, Miley Ray, uh, sorry, Billy Ray Cyrus, her father. It was all meant to be, you know, sort of in quite good nature. Now I think Hollywood, I think the people behind Hollywood, and we know who those people are, I think they promote these people initially to get young impressionable girls into them and then as soon as these girls get a bit older, as soon as they're just about to hit puberty or just going through puberty, these once quite reasonable celebrities like Miley Cyrus then go through a transformation they become utterly hideous, utterly debased, and these young girls who are full of hormones, who are going through this change, then think that's the normal way to grow up, they look up to them, they're already hooked on them, and then they become a mirror image of that disgusting and debased individual so one minute these little girls they're watching you know Hannah Montana having wacky fun at school and being sort of quite normal and going home to her dad and the next minute she's talking about lining up to do a line in the bathroom and all of her friends they're cavorting around and there's nudity in the videos and she's getting rid of all her lovely hair and having tattoos and then she's posing naked and all these young girls who idolize her think oh well she's growing up that's what you do when you grow up and it's all part of people's long game to destroy the west to twist young girls minds because a huge part of the attack on the west has been the attack on young impressionable females to turn them from traditional mothers, which is what they should be turning into, into debased whores
6: You know what it's doing? It's like commercializing the whole marrying, you know, getting a black boyfriend to piss off your father on a massive scale of an industrial scale. It's basically saying, I'm going to reject my culture, I'm going to reject dressing conservatively and having a family because it's cool to reject that. It's cool to be in a music video surrounded by black gangsters doing all this stuff, screaming about how, and I think we've imported a lot of this. I think it's a very like Patois kind of Jamaican Caribbean kind of African thing as well It's like a black culture that we've imported and we think it's cool and it's idolized because it's rejected your own culture because no one cares about our culture, you know, no one, no one, no one really cares about white culture anymore, it seems, except for people like us. The majority of young girls think that it's really cool to just be with a black guy and to dance like this in videos and to be a complete hoe or whatever they call themselves uh, or a thought. Uh, And it's this really cool, edgy, trendy thing that's gonna piss off their parents. But it's not going to piss off their parents because it's become predictable. And I think, you know, millennials and boomers now are actually becoming the same thing. So it's not really pissing off anyone. It's just becoming cool to be anti-British, anti-establishment, and to be as outrageous and provocative as possible, rejecting all gender roles and rejecting all dignity, respectability and conservatism. And it's just become commercialized. The music industry's bought into it, everyone's bought into it. No one's pushed it on us. We've rejected it. And then they've adopted it by watching the videos, which means that there's a big demand for it. And then, uh, And then it becomes the culture. So that's what's happened. It's
3: very sad. I think.
1: Um, no, I think it also. I think it also. What Kaylin is saying. I think it has to do with the fact that the parents have rescinded their moral responsibility to dictate to their children what is right and what is wrong. They are so afraid of of being uncool. They are so afraid of going against what is uh, hip and modern, if you will, that they are afraid to say, no, this is wrong. You should not be doing this. You, who are a 16-year-old girl, should not be dressing up as a uh, $10 hooker on a uh, Saturday night in Detroit.
6: And that's because you get you all these be parents who, who want to be friends with their daughters now, who want to be friends with their kids, they want to go out in the same nightclubs, so they want to go out with them and hang out and be cool because I they want know. to live their life through their children. It's bizarre, it's pathetic, it's absolutely abhorrent. There's no I, I boundary. I completely agree. There's no boundary yes. between parent and child anymore. It's just, we're all friends, it's really cool. I've got Facebook too, I've got the Snapchat and it's all really degenerate and who cares about traditional parenting because we're all down with the kids and it's because we're obsessed with the self. Boomers are obsessed with the self now. They all are fucking therapists and things like that. So they want to be they want to be trendy. They want to be interesting. They want to reject everything about collective and nationalism, and just become like their kids. And like, and it's basically children raising children. It's a disaster.
1: Yeah, exactly. But what you said is key, key issue is that they want to be friends with the kids. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a 15 year old, 50 year old man. I do not want to be friends with a 16 year old. I want to be their parent. I want to tell them what's what and to pipe down and eat their broccoli. You know, I don't want to be friends. I don't want to be doing the things that 16 year olds are doing. But it seems today that boomer parents, uh, you know, they're obsessed with being friends and, and normalizing, uh, 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 yeah, and like you said, living vicariously through their children and experiencing things that they should not be experiencing and they should not be allowing their children to experience. And everybody says, oh, this is wonderful, you know, we should just let it be. Ah, oh, screw this, you know. Sometimes I think to myself that maybe it would be a smart idea to let the Muslims invade the whole thing and burn it all down. Because how do you fix a population such as this, a population and a mass of people who are willy nilly willing to embrace this kind of decadence and degeneracy? I'm asking you, and this is an honest question: How do you change the population around to, to to you know straighten up and fly right?
3: Well, you don't. I'm asking the. I think I the mean, you have to change the culture. You have to change the culture board. Sorry, you guys. guys may, I think it's may, getting a
0: little bit difficult with that because we don't have any order that we're talking in um let's have let's go for peter then then we'll have um ryan and i think then we'll change topic is that okay
3: that's good for me yeah uh, yes yeah, so, as i was saying i mean uh, what these people are uh, you have to win the culture war that's uh, the that, that's what these elites are trying to do. They're trying to change the culture to destroy, just to destroy West civilization. That's what they're doing, as Mark said earlier, by the basically they're doing it, the, the boiled, the, I don't know if you have it the same saying in English, but in Sweden and Norway, you call it the boiled frog method. Uh, so you, you slowly boil the frog, uh, you know, at, at the first I don't feel anything, but then it goes a little bit and it goes a little bit, and at, at, at last you kill the frog uh, when you boil it. Uh, as a saying that we have in sweden i'm not sure if you have it in england or america but uh, they do it slowly through the back door uh very subversive you know they bring out miley cyrus as a nice sweet young girl young girls like her and then all of a sudden they change her into something hideous uh to corrupt the minds of the young people and that's what they're doing uh so to be able to change this around uh because These young people are impressionable and, you know, they they take after the culture that they get pushed on them. You know, that's how humans are designed to be. It's not necessarily that they are bad themselves or so on. It's just they're impressionable when they're young.
6: Is it just me, or is everyone muted?
2: I, yeah. Oh yeah. Stephen Peter disappeared. Um, would Stephen like to come in and say something? Shut it down. They shut it down. No, I Aww. think he just. I think he's probably got bad internet connection or something. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Either way, no, I'll click the wrong button. But if Stephen, I don't think Stephen's really had much to say on this yet. So I like to hear everyone's perspective. So if we can keep going around the room and make sure that we don't miss anyone out, that would be good.
5: Right, right. What's well, a symptom of the breakdown in the family? And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I agree with this this boiled frog thing that, sweeter, that Peter, Peter Sweden, I want to call him sweeter. We'll just call him sweeter. What he was talking about is, yeah, it's boiled frog. It's slowly over time. Um, it, you know, I see it as all symptoms of public schooling. And we've had public schooling since around the turn of the last century here in the United States. These things just rot away. They rot away the family. They rot away all virtues. They rot away all love and connection between people because we think that we can borrow against the future to fund the now. And so all this decadence and all this our selected mating and romping around, I mean, it's all all sort of coming out of that. So I really think it boils down to parenting. I think... Excuse me. A lack of boundaries, a lack of Discipline a lack of consistency a lack of an ability to Discriminate we can't say okay we here in the United States. We can't say okay We want an all men's club and women women aren't allowed in and here we are We're going to talk about men's stuff and we're going to determine the boundaries of how our society is going to operate And and you can take that to a national level and say well, we, we don't have borders And so there's no there's everything's in flux. I mean I saw this really great the onion article and it was it was like, fresh African immigrant to the United States is confused about why they keep changing the actor that plays Superman. And she's like up in arms about this. I mean, she's very clearly only been in the United States for like three months. And she's like already up in arms. She's like, there's just too much changeover in this society. And, uh, you know, I think it's all very symptomatic of, of the breakdown of the family and, you know, expansion of government and... Poor parenting, all these things. So, right, I've said my piece.
4: Yeah, uh, I would want to response to uh, Coach Red Pill talking about how why not just bring in the Muslims to burn everything down. Um, I think the first problem would be that uh, w- with that idea is
1: I think. I was being in my defense. First of all, I was being I, facetious. Okay, I know,
4: I know, I know, I know. I hope I know
3: everybody I know, understood I know.
4: that. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Um, but one thing I'll say, I think that. Um, People in this room, (laughs) I think the uh, degree of the degeneracy has been a bit overstated. Ryan, right?
1: Ryan? Ryan. Yes, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, uh, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to be on this uh, thing was I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, to to, well, go ahead. I'm, I'm interested in your point. Okay, okay. Yeah.
4: After that, you can grill me. Okay. Um,
1: Yeah, I want to know why you. I I I think I.
4: I really I think, want to know I, I think that... Okay, let me respond to your this this first thing first. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the stuff about the degeneracy here, I think it's a bit overstated. Um, uh, like, I, like you know, I don't really look into this stuff that much, but I, what I'm hearing is a bunch of people talking about, like, uh, like the worst of the worst. They're talking about behavior in Hollywood and, and Hollywood, like, gay uh, pedophile sex parties and then saying, oh, the West is lost and stuff like that. And, like, all these girls looking up to... To miley cyrus now i look on the internet now i suspect like, i have a suspicion that the internet it has more degenerate people than the general public and nobody on the internet looks at these people as some sort of idols to emulate or anything um so and look look i'm sure you can point to marriage statistics and say marriage is, is much lower and 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 like that feminist ideas have have uh, have destroyed the uh, the the uh, formation of family by trying to force a false symmetry on the genders. Like, I get all that stuff, but I don't, like, I don't think it's, it's nearly as far gone as a lot of people are saying, and I think that there's a natural sort of tendency, and like, you're even seeing this within, like, the halls of degeneracy themselves, is that they don't actually live by any of these values, and so there is, like, a sort of organic, um, push, there, there's, like, a constant organic drive towards, I guess you could say, the traditional nuclear family that's like water. And that is always going to be there. And that is why you should never, like, totally lose hope because there's always that, right? And there's, and so there's always a, a natural bias and tendency towards sort of the, the, uh, the natural uh, order. Uh, now, what did you want to say, Coach Redfield?
1: I wanted to know why on Twitter you call me a clown. Well, I, I mean, called you like, that we, in the deep... Just, just, just a, little, <laughs> a little background for the people. You know, because And that's part of the reason I wanted to be on this uh, stream here. Uh, because like uh, you know, a while back, you and I were in touch, and I thought it was very friendly you know, by Twitter DM, and I think maybe by, via Skype. Okay, this isn't and then the all that come out on of the blue... This, is, but, you know, this I mean, is
2: like a chat show about current affairs. Not yeah, about it's, it's not about a personality war. Come on. We no, this each well, on well,
1: because this gentleman no, no,
2: here no, 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 is starting is to, the to
1: characterize what I was being hyperbolic. You know, I just want to know. I'm very...
5: dude. This is not the time or the place. This is not the time or the place.
1: Okay, I would,
4: yeah, I, I would recommend, I would Mm -hmm. recommend against it. If you want to talk, talk about it with me personally, we can talk about it personally. But I put it in a DM, and that's where I wanted it to stay. So that's that. Mm
5: -hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sorry that. You know, when I agreed to invite you both on the same show, I but totally forgot that you yes. had uh, had this disagreement. No, anyway, I just
1: want to know what was what. Because, and also the, the thing is, I want to be very clear when somebody such as uh, this uh, Mr. Ryan Falk here started to, you know, take what I said was obviously hyperbolic at face value in order to distort my position. I just want to know what's what, okay? I'm, because I'm very straightforward and honest. If that was just, you know, it was no big deal and, and you no, weren't we going to take me drama.
5: We don't have time for your drama.
2: So Let's move on to the next topic and be respectful to the hosts and, and all the other people here tonight. I mean, it's not about this isn't hmm? a debate between two people or personal dramas. I mean, I don't really know either of you. I'm sure you both do very good work in your own spheres. Um, and it's great to have you on with different perspectives. And you both said some really, really great things tonight. But I, d- I don't want to see it turning into something that the show's not really about um, and it's not right, about personal personal issues okay uh, let's, move so let's, let's move on, on. let's the move on can let's hit move us on. with the next topic that'd be wonderful
0: right um, i actually didn't inform you guys about this topic because i only just found it before we started the show but basically the guardian one of the most left-wing newspapers um, in in the uk has a headline out here tens of thousands of modern slavery victims in the UK and that's according to the National Crime Agency. So what is happening? Why do we have a resurgence of slavery in the UK right now? I'm going to ask Caitlin please.
6: Well, because we have such relaxed borders, we don't give a shit about immigration in any way or controlling immigration that we allow millions of people to come into the country undocumented. And then that gives employers, mainly foreign also employers, Pakistani employers and things like that, who own lots of land and Indian takeaways, to employ people below minimum wage, which is probably what they would do, you know, in their own countries. The majority of slave owners, you know, it's not like the idea of these, you know, this American ranch owner whipping cotton pickers or anything like that. This is these are Pakistani businesses. And Indian and Indian takeaways and things like that, employing family members who are illegal immigrants and employing, you know, uh, employing people for basically for free, except that they they are given living they are given living quarters. So the definition of slavery is a little bit different. It's not like they get whipped and they're you know forced instead of leaving. They just don't get paid a wage and they have to. Uh, they just—they're they, given a place to to sleep and they're given food. It's a symptom of a third world of a third world condition of third world immigration policies. We allow everybody to come into the UK and everybody to to walk in, and that gives employers, foreign employers, more choice. They want to employ people for free and give them homes. That's what they do, and it's it's a disaster. It undercuts the British worker, it undercuts um, even the European worker. It's complete shame, uh, but it's what's going on in this country.
0: Okay. Could, could
1: it be comparable to uh, indentured uh, servitude?
0: I'm going to have to quickly ask uh, everyone just say goodbye to Stephen Franson. He's off now because he's got to go do something. Thank you for being on, Steve.
5: Thanks for having me. Always good to see you guys.
0: Thank you. And I'm going to throw it over to Coach Red Pill, and I'm going to ask, what do you think we can do um, to prevent this? Uh, you know, slavery. Well, I-
1: I I, myself am living uh, currently in London, and I can tell you that the uh, immigration process, the legal immigration process in London, in in England, in the UK rather, is incredibly Mm -hmm. difficult. It's incredibly expensive, uh, time consuming. It's just a whole lot of hoops for the legal immigrants, but for the illegal immigrants, there's absolutely no control. And point of fact, it seems that it's just easier to just be an illegal than a legal immigrant. So I think that obviously the the UK government should be doing something about it, especially insofar as people with education and and uh, the the means to support themselves. I, I can tell you on a on a personal level that it was a difficult and tedious process insofar as I'm concerned. And I hold a US passport and a Chilean passport. I I shouldn't have a problem, and I'm able to support myself. Uh, uh, so, I shouldn't be a, a, an issue, it should be easy for me, and yet the UK government makes it incredibly difficult for legal immigrants. The ones, they, they seem to have no trouble whatsoever, which I do not understand. The point of what Kaelin was making, though, is that it seems to me is, is it, is it Kalin? you would know better than I the details of, of this kind of illegal immigration. Would it be say, fair to say that it's sort of like an indentured servitude type slavery? Because I think that American listeners would have an easier time of understanding that kind of slavery. Yes. Is that more or less what's going on? As I said, it's not
6: this you know barbaric type of slavery that you see you know in Hollywood films where they're whipping people in for working and things like that. It's people who are coming to the UK. They can't get national insurance numbers and tax codes and things like that so they can legally work. So they end up working with employers who pay them in you know, who pay for their living costs instead. It's a much more glamorous version of that. It's not really, you know, it's not really a human rights issue, except for if you look at how it affects white Britons who are being undercut, like I said. Um, the word slavery is thrown around so often, it does it's like sort of lost all value now, but, uh, but- it, yeah.
1: To, to say though, to, to continue the point, then, then essentially what you're saying is that these people who are carrying out this this uh, indentured servitude on these illegal immigrants, it's creating a criminal underclass, a fairly large criminal underclass, similar to if you think about it, to what was going on as far as the mafia in the United States in the um, 20s during Prohibition. Would that be an accurate assessment of what's uh, going on, what's evolving at the time on the ground in the UK?
6: Well, when you import people, you import their culture. We're importing the culture of that type of slavery and that type of crime. So that's what we're seeing in this country. Of course it is. I mean, they are committing, you know, if you look at the most number of slaves in the world, right now there's more slaves alive currently enslaved in India than were the, the total number brought to the U.S. at the peak of slavery. And that's because it's part of their culture to own and pay people like pay people like that. And that's just what we're seeing here. So, yeah, it's an imported type of mafia crime uh, that's something... You know, it's something that the British infrastructure and police system isn't used to dealing with, and that's why it's sort of been allowed to go on for so long, because people don't quite know what to do. They think they might be family members, they're undocumented, they don't know where they come from. It's a really, really messy issue. It's not something that we should be spending our resources on, but unfortunately it's something that is a byproduct of mass uncontrolled immigration from third world hellholes, and that's, you know, that's just what's happened.
1: A question, a follow-up question to what you're saying: Is this accurately going on? Is is this something similar going on rather in uh, on on the continent in uh, France and perhaps even Germany and and the Netherlands and and Belgium?
6: It's not something I know about statistically, but of course, I mean, if it's going to happen in the UK, it's going to happen tenfold on the mainland because at least we have a sea separating us from the mainland, so we get about you know two percent of the immigrants that actually come from the Middle East and North Africa into Europe. So that could mean there's probably a ninety-eight percent higher increase of that going on in Europe, especially the countries with less you know regulation. So of course, it's happening in the mainland in Europe. Uh, it's just a third. You know, you import the third world, you get the third world issues. That's what we're experiencing.
3: Mm. Well, I don't know about slave, I don't know about that, I know at least in Sweden there's uh, loads of cases, you know, when you import, as Kayla said, if you import the third world culture, you're, you become the third world, you know, in Sweden there's, uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was about, I think it was 130,000 um, FGM cases in Sweden, uh, so that's, that's another point similar to what you were talking about there, you import okay. the third world, you get the third world.
0: Right. I'd just like to uh, remind everyone listening that uh, we will be taking your questions. Mark is collecting them, so please post them for us in the chat. Um, We'll start taking them probably around the end of this hour, which is in like 10 minutes. Um, And I know that Mark wants to talk about this topic as well, so please uh, go ahead, Mark.
2: No, I really like this topic, you see, because it's always Whitey that gets the blame for slavery, isn't it? You know, we're always the ones to blame. We're the (laughs) bad guys. But the fact is, we were the ones that abolished slavery, especially us in the UK. I mean, it was William Wilberforce who led the abolition of slavery. And it was us who poured absolutely huge amounts of resources into combating slavery, not just here in the Western world, but all over the world. And the best thing about this is the leftists whip us with the, the whip of white guilt for slavery. But it's actually their policy of mass immigration that has reestablished slavery in this country. And what we have done, we've imported the savagery of the third world, of the Middle East, and we brought these problems back here. And I will wager that there isn't really any white involved in this oh, new no, slavery. Absolutely. It'll, it'll all be Nigerians. Yeah. It'll be Albanians. <laughs> How infuriating
6: is this topic though? You know, you know, one point four percent of Americans, white Americans own slaves. Twenty-seven percent of free blacks own slaves. This whole thing about there being a massive wave of slave ownership, it's absolute Bullshit pushed by far-left Marxists, Marxist lecturers and politicians. It makes no sense. Britain had virtually no slavery. We were the first country to abolish it and to impose on other countries the ideals of not having slavery. The current number of slaves alive in the third world right now, including Africa and India, is, is in the, I think it's about 200 million. It's absolutely huge. It's in the hundreds of millions in China, in India, in Pakistan, in Africa, more than the total number that were alive at the peak of slavery in America. Yet there's no outrage about it. There's nothing, you know why? Because you can't blame a white person and that's the funnest thing to do in our society right now. Slavery was practically non-existent because we cared about something called human rights and we also evolved and we also developed progressive and proper values they didn't the rest of the third world didn't and that's the
4: problem the other thing that
1: people people don't notice is that human rights comes from christian values human rights is an outgrowth of christianity it's not just that it came out of the blue it's not like it was like a flower growing in the middle of a garden and poof human rights it was a direct outgrowth of Christian values that gave us civil society and the rule of law, these essential values of Western civilization c- come from Christianity and they are being, you know, overthrown by this uh, uh, willy-nilly desire to embrace the third world savagery, which I agree, by the way.
4: Yeah, okay. I don't know if they came from Christians or, or not. I mean, they did. Well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I agree. They, they they you had Arab, well... I also know the history about the Ori- Oriental Orthodox Christian church and how that ended up and how all these Christian values were only held by basically white people. But anyway. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, you're wrong probably.
4: So we have, so when people talk about slavery and they talk about, um, I think there's a, there's a problem in like the, in like modern pe- modern thinking. And this is something that, that I d- have as well is that, I look at um, slavery as sort of like a a, a dichotomy, as like you're a slave or you're not a slave. But I think that's sort of an incorrect way to look at it, because when you bring in mass numbers of immigration, what you're doing is you're screwing up the capital-labor ratio, a a big capital-to-labor ratio that was built up in europe and north america for a very long period of time that's being destroyed and that's basically reducing the bargaining power of labor that's reducing the bargaining power of worker in the united states and that's sort of why free trade and open borders you know two sides of the same coin Um, and so this is something that a lot of the old anarchists and a lot of the old marxists would actually talk about is they would say that um that you know whether it's chattel slavery or if the uh, capitalist has so much bargaining power that you basically do whatever he wants. It's sort of an imposition of a new kind of de facto slavery. I mean, we could talk about the H1BV says how that's, you know, that's actually sort of a legal construct where they're legally forced to do whatever their employer says so they get sent back to India. Okay. But, um, basically when you reduce the capital labor ratio, you are creating sort of, I guess, slavery by degrees, by reducing the bar- bargaining power of, of the worker. So,
1: and well, Globalization and free trade agreements and free flow of capital during the uh, late 80s, 90s and 2000s had a lot more to do than mass migration with that. But, okay. good try.
0: Alright, and I just wanted to follow up on that particular topic um, with a fact that the British government is admitting that there are um, over a million illegals in Britain, um, and they're basically taking zero action to combat this. So it's uh, not just an American problem; it's also a British one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mark, do we have questions uh, from the audience?
2: Oh, we have lots of questions, and we actually have some really, really interesting ones tonight. And as we've got about an hour to answer, we've um, we'll start with one which I think is a very, very good question. and It's something that we should all be willing to talk about. And um, I myself have actually done a full video on this, so people who know me will know my answer to this. The question is, does race play a major role in developing a certain culture? Now, I would say straight away, race and culture are intrinsically linked. You can't separate the two. Really, culture is the fruit of a racial or ethnic group and if you remove the tree you don't get any more any more of that fruit and if you remove a race you don't get any more of that culture you can't really separate the two effectively and i think one of the big problems we've got especially on the what can we call it the alt light is people seem to think culture is just the product of a scrap of land and whoever comes to that scrap of land will magically produce that kind of culture so for example europeans only produce the orchestra which is obviously part of our culture Orchestra music is intrinsically European, but we only produce that because we happen to be in Europe and if you brought black people to Europe, Africans to Europe, sub-Saharan Africans, they would start creating these wonderful instruments and orchestral overtures would be just, you know, there as well because Africans happen to be here. Now that's utter garbage. You can clearly see different cultures all over the world are completely linked racial groups and you can see that for example British culture, German culture, French culture and Swedish culture are all extremely similar because we are of the same race. Equally if you go to places like India and Pakistan you can see again similar cultures because they're the same race and I think that one of the biggest problems we face is when people try to cuck out and they refuse to link race and culture, ultimately, they are leading to not only the demise of our race, but also the demise of the culture they claim to be fighting for. Now, I've seen a lot of people nodding to this, so um, I'll pass it over to Kaylin first. What are your thoughts on race and culture?
6: Obviously it's a very controversial topic, but I mean, the left like to have you believe the reason (laughs) some cultures are, you know, some people come from very poor or or sad backgrounds is because that their culture was bad and their culture was corrupt. There is a fundamental difference in this. And that is people are not, you know, people are, a culture is a product of its people. People are not a product of its culture. The people come first, the culture develops around the people. There have been many scientific studies that have been carried around, around species of ants to find, you know, they've. Uh, And in these findings carried out in the 1980s, they found that some species of ants were more more hospitable than others. And thus, their culture of hospitality with other native ant ant farms and ant hills and things like that formed around that type of culture. There are different cultures within species of animals. So it's not absurd to suggest that there are different cultures within different subspecies of humans, such as the Caucasian, the African, the Middle Eastern, blah, blah, blah. There are different cultures that have formed because of differences within those races. That is not a controversial thing. So some cultures are more hospitable, hospitable hospitality-orientated than others, such as the Caucasian culture. And um, you see... Degenerate horrific third world underdeveloped countries like Africa and cultures in the Middle East that you know As far as it goes Africa hasn't even invented the wheel yet I think they had it imported you know The only thing they have to claim is sandcastles also known as the pyramids I don't even know who made them and they are subpar Cultures because it is a subpar race. I mean, it's very controversial to say this, but this is what happens We have a lower IQ within certain species and certain subspecies of humans, which leads to a subpar Culture and this is what happens. So yes, there's a massive correlation. This isn't, you know, contra- This isn't, you know, some sort of crazy idea This is scientifically backed. This is a fact
4: yeah, I think it's important to sort of frame that. Like when you when people say, well, wh- what kind of evidence do you have that there are these um, differences between population groups, call them races, or if you want to define them even lower than that, um, like differences between Slavs and Germans, is that down to bi- biological differences or circumstantial differences? Um, but I think an important way to frame that is what's the alternative? The alternative would be there are what, not these differences? Okay, so whenever talking about that, you know, it's it, you don't it, don't fall into the trap of always trying to defend your claim as as the positive, whereas in relation to an opponent that that doesn't have a counterclaim themselves. No, they have a counterclaim, and they have to evidence their their claim as well. So you know, the alternative, which is what equal, which is identical, which is identical predispositions to all these uh, various mental traits that produce what we call culture. Uh, that's sort of a term I use a cosmic joke of an impossibility
2: that's a very good point I mean I think with culture as well especially with Europeans when you look at the harsh environment that we involved in only the most inventive and industrious people could have survived living on the edge of ice sheets and because of that it is natural that natural selection turned us in to what we are today. It turned us in to the wonderful people and it gave birth to the wonderful culture. Now, if you go to Sub-Saharan Africa, if you go to a place where life is easy, where fruit goes on the tree all year round, nothing ever freezes over, there's plenty of fish, nothing migrates, when you go to these places, life is easier, there aren't the selective pressures. But nature took tens of thousands of years to create distinctive peoples that gave birth to distinctive cultures, and to believe, as the multiculturalists do, that all these people will be pushed together, and in a matter of a couple of decades, all of those 40,000 years of selective breeding can be undone. It is absolutely insane. What are your thoughts on this, Peter?
3: Well, no, I absolutely agree that uh, if you can't see that uh, culture comes from different uh, races, then you're denying facts. I mean, it's obvious to see. I just have to point that you said that Swedish and English culture was relatively similar here before Mark, and I have to disagree. I'm going to say the Swedish culture is quite superior to the British culture. (laughs) Um, That's fighting talk, man. That's fighting talk. (laughs) Not defending him. Um Yeah, I mean, I feel so much more at home when I get when I got back up here to the to Scandinavia. I mean, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, uh, it's very obvious that the different uh, races produce different cultures. The just the social construct, as these leftists uh, now claim, to to say. I mean, I don't know. You have to be quite stupid to think that. And that this doesn't mean that anyone is. I'm not going to say that anyone is worse or better than other, uh, because obviously, to oneself, your own culture, culture. To white people, white people, white culture is the best culture. To um, Africans, I would say, I would probably think most Africans think that African culture is the best, is the best one. And it goes to Asians, most Asians would think that their culture is the best one. So it's nothing to say that any, any anyone is better or worse than the other one. It's just that they are different, and it comes from the different peoples. The people is what makes the culture, and um, I mean, yeah, I think I think what the left is trying to do, when they're saying that the culture is just a social construct, trying to undermine everything that, uh, everything that makes us, us, basically, everything that makes Europeans, everything that makes uh, Asians, Asian, uh, trying to undermine that to, again, it c- c- comes back to this... Uh, what I would say is the globalists' game of having this one world government, basically just one big mix, one world government kind of thing, uh, just mixing everyone, everyone, everything up into just one big mess uh, to destroy every to, d- to destroy the true diversity.
4: Yeah, yeah, could I respond to one thing Mark was saying? Um, just to sort of uh, clarify, it's not necessarily about being the harshest environment, sort of the the working theory. I forget who wrote it, it was on the uh, uh, cold winters. It has to do with uh, farming in a, a, an environment with winters. So now when you get up to like the Arctic Circle, nobody's farming, so the kinds of cognitive traits that they developed are actually different from that from Europeans. Um, and in fact, the Eskimos, actually Eskimos and Inuit people actually have physically larger brains than Europeans. Um, and But the thing is, their, co- their, their cognitive profile is radically different from that of Europeans. Big visual spatial abilities, they can basically, um, one thing people talk about is how these Eskimos are able to navigate, you know, hundreds of miles by dead reckoning, right? Things we would call amazing. Um, so uh, it, it's important to know that, you know, Africa had harsh environments but it wasn't the kind of harsh environments that required say for example long-term planning to live out the winter and it's that it's, and that's why you see in a similar sort of ge- geography in like manchuria and china even southern china you see that that same sort of uh, cognitive band develop and in japan those kinds of people develop uh, the same sort of uh, biology because they evolved in in sort of a cold winters environment similar to europe
6: there's also the concept of, you know, people wanting to better themselves. It looks like the people who didn't leave Africa, you know, they couldn't be bothered to better themselves. They couldn't be bothered to seek greater things and to go to better areas and to explore the world and build maps and things like that. So all the people who really cared about that and expanding and exploring and wanting to build things, they all left. So what you get is a massive brain drain. And then the people left are the people who couldn't be bothered to leave the trees. And so or that's kick, what, you have, <laughs> that's what you have in
4: down. Africa. You could, or, make a well, counter, you could make a counter argument that the shitty ones were kicked out and the better one stayed and you know i mean because you could say just those stories either way i guess
2: so what's the coach got to say on this he's um the coach has been asking to say something on this um what are your thoughts no i'm i'm insofar as the issue of race and culture i have no definitive opinion one way or the other oh okay well that's that then um somebody somebody in the question and answer have also said and i just want to address this not as a major point but to whether I believe europeans to be superior whether we believe european culture to be superior now that's an interesting question and it's something that does need to be addressed why is it such a bad thing to love your own culture and to acknowledge its greatness now i'm not saying european culture is superior in every single way but yes On balance, I do believe European culture is superior. I do believe the things that we've invented. I do believe our art. I believe our architecture. I believe our music. I believe our poetry. And I believe our literature is superior. I believe we've given more to the world than any other racial group. Now, that doesn't mean I hate other racial groups. It doesn't mean I look down on their cultures. I'm just proud of my own. As any other racial group on the planet, is allowed to be proud of theirs. Peter, do you have something to say about that? Because you were talking about optics earlier.
3: Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think um, if you just go around saying that, you know, from my point of view, I think yeah, obviously I prefer my European culture. Uh, when it comes to optics, though, it's just it's not it's not that smart. Just go around saying, you know. Uh, why people are best like that—that that, that's, that's, that, that opens up for the left to say to call you a white supremacy and so. On. So that's just—I don't think that's too smart. But when it comes to um, obviously from my point of view, I prefer European culture. Uh, if you ask an African, they would probably prefer theirs. And I mean, as you said, there's uh, there's nothing. I mean, everyone should be proud of their culture. That is what is true diversity, European culture. And if I wanted to go and go on a, on a holiday and experience something new i could go to africa or somewhere else and uh, see what they have to offer you know that's uh, what's uh, so so great about having your own culture that you can be proud of and you, that's that's the kind of true diversity but onto people force forcefully like forcefully moving half of africa over to europe and and integrating there and basically mixing two cultures into one that, that, that's when you lose the true diversity the, the true <laughs> yeah that's when it lose the true diversity that, that that's um these elites are doing indeed when
0: uh, sorry to interrupt peter i i'm actually yeah. really curious to hear ryan's opinion on this like white supremacy meme that the left has and su- su- the concept of superiority of different cultures or races um, because Ryan's just done a very similar video on this, so what's your take on this, Ryan? I don't, uh,
4: I don't recall just doing a uh,
0: similar video on this. Yeah, uh, the racism one. I mean, this is the oh, kind of. I, well, I
4: guess. Well, well um, I think uh, sort of just, and it's not just like a philosophical autism point to say that you know what you think is superior or inferior is is literally just a matter of opinion. Like everyone knows, yeah, like. F- f- philosophically, yeah, that's true, but like, really, like, which one's the best? Um, and, you know, you just look at the Gates test and you say, which one's the best? Uh, it looks like Europe and the United States, based on like where people go when there's a immigration opportunity. It's a little bit hard to say because China and Japan don't have the same sort of open borders uh, policies as Europe and the US. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that it's a sign... Um, that, you know, when people, you know, just look at what kind of things people adopt, you know, they'll adopt like anime and certain like Japanese cultural items, but it's mostly white people. It's mostly Europeans. So in terms of just, you know, how people behave, you know, it looks like, I I don't know. Yeah. So that's sort of how I see that. Um, I don't think it's that controversial.
0: Coach Red Pill, as a racial agnostic, what's your perspective on this?
1: There's no question that the Western civilization is the best civilization. Period. There's there's no there's no competition, insofar as Western civilization, starting at the beginning of the Renaissance in Italy, uh, everything that has been produced by Western civilization, Western technology, Western art, is superior, objectively speaking, to every other culture, uh, and and to even question it is just sort of ridiculous. Uh, a, there is a reason that the Japanese adop- adopted wholesale uh, Western-style dresses and Western ideas, starting with the uh, Meiji, Meiji Restoration. There is a an, a reason that the Chinese uh, adopted so many elements of uh, Western culture. But the most important thing about Western civilization, the crowning achievement of it, is not the technology, not the art, Uh, or or even the the wealth of of Western civilization. The crowning achievement was the political organization that through through great difficulty over many centuries was arrived at, whereby the people, the will of the people is expressed by elected representatives and nobody is above the rule of law. Now of course in practice that this is not often not the case, I mean witness the Clintons for example, but for the most part, as an idea, as a principle, as an ideal. Uh, uh, Western political organization, the rule of law, uh, uh, specifically the the, uh, checks and balances of the American Constitution, which is really and truly a novel idea, which has proven to be remarkably sturdy over the centuries. Because the American system of government, if you think about it, starting in 1789, is the longest continuing form of government in world history. Uh, I, I, there really hasn't been a, a system as long-lasting as the American constitutional arrangement. This is a remarkable achievement on a, on a political level. No other civilization comes close to this. And the fact that we have to apologize for this, that we have to say, oh well, you know, we're, we're so sorry because we, we're, you know, we're white people from the West, I, I find it absurd. Uh, if, divorce it from the issue of race, just as, as a culture. There's no question that the Western culture is the best one, and and those who adhere to it, from whatever racial background, it doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, th- there is the opportunity to do so. The 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 Western civilization, Western political organization, allows for the the uh, for any people or any individual to join in. And yet we're supposed to be like apologizing for it. I I don't quite understand it. I don't quite understand what has happened to the West, uh, or the West I mean uh, Europe and North America and and to a lesser extent South America. Mm
5: -hmm. Why
1: is it that we have to be apologizing for this incredible system that has given everybody so much? Because it is directly because of the political organization of the West that we have had the opportunity to create the the uh, technological growth that we have, that we have been able to create uh, 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 the, the, uh, the food supply, the, the technology, medicine, the art, architecture, everything that we are talking about. You have to keep in mind, in the past, when there was a change of government, when a new leader replaced an old leader, there was usually a civil war. Only yeah. the West that figured out a way to peaceably have the transfer of power. This is a major achievement in world politics. And yet, you know, we, we sort of like dismiss it and we don't even realize how special it is. I think that that is the bottom line problem. We don't realize how special and unique it is and how wonderful so many large and small issues of the West truly are compared to any other culture, any other civilization.
0: Right, Ours and you is have- the
1: pinnacle of human civilization.
0: Yeah, and I think as Jordan Peterson points out, you know, you have these people trying to tear down Western civilization, and it's like, well, what exactly do you have in mind to replace it with? Because <laughs> mm. it looks like the collapse, you know, of our, of the world is basically going to take place if they achieve their goal here. But I actually wanted to touch on a different topic, um, which is something I think it came out just uh, just within a week, um, which is this homosexuality. Sorry, not homosexuality. I'm gonna talk to Caleb about this because he is homosexual. But what do you make of this? Sorry, not meaning to, well, you know, I'll generalize, who cares? (laughs) um, (laughs) Don't give a fuck. What do you make (laughs) of this idea that, you know, this gay Jew from California pushed this legislation through making it basically legal to infect people with HIV? I mean, what are they thinking?
6: they have legalized murder that's what they've done they've legalized murder in the name of political correction they have said that just because you have hiv you know you must be lgbt you must be a minority that you know you're disadvantaged and that you shouldn't have to you know you shouldn't have to put yourself out there and explain to other people that you know you have this condition and it's pandering and you know what it's doing it's it's actually encouraging murder if you do not tell somebody that you have HIV and you go and have sex with them, that is the most abhorrent thing a person could do. You should be jailed for life for it. Or you should be jailed for the duration of whatever period that person still has AIDS for. It's not a death sentence as it was anymore because of modern medicine, but it's absolutely abhorrent. And we know where this legislation has actually come from. It has come from a place of... um, well, you know, they're gay, you know, they're a minority, they're oppressed, so we have to, you know, we have to pander to them and we have to give them, we don't have to, we shouldn't have to put pressure on them to have to tell the outside world. This is the most disgraceful thing that exists. And let me tell you, it's going to be happening in the UK, it's going to be happening in the rest of Europe and the rest of America. You're going to see it happening all over the place. There is a movement in the UK, and I just did an interview with a guy who's leading it, a completely disastrous interview on his behalf, who is trying to take away the stigma, of HIV, this guy called Jacob, and um, he's got a clothing line saying, "Take away the stigma. Don't be stigmatized by HIV. Too many gay guys are, you know, are oppressed, and you know, it's laughed out within the gay community that they've got AIDS and that they're, you know." That they're subhuman somehow, or they're less a person for having AIDS, and we should remove the stigma. No, we shouldn't remove the stigma of AIDS. AIDS should be seen as a deadly disease, as a horrible thing, as something you don't want to contract. And the reason it's contracted on such high levels within the gay community is because they can't stop fucking people who because they don't know, they can't control themselves. They have no self control. They don't give a fuck about marriage. They don't care about the family. They don't care about adhering to anything that's normal. They want to piss off their parents. So they want to go out and screw people in toilets and have sex unprotected. And they do not give a shit. I've been to a party, which I didn't, well, I turned up within five minutes and I left, which was called a, uh pausing party or something i'll send you the link to this and there are these parties that go up and down the uk where you'll have 10 gay men one of them have hiv they all know about it they all have sex with each other and it's this risky thing of who's going to get aids we don't know who's going to get it and it's this like risky thing that they do and it's are you talking about
1: basically gonna... russian roulette with hiv is that what yes you're this about? is happening
6: up and down the uk i'll send you links to this this has been carried out vice did a piece That's... on it and it's about this sort of russian roulette of who's going to get aids and there's a thing called stealthing where you pull off your condom before you come in and it's and it's stealthing and it's, mm. and you call it, pause it pausing them up. I paused you up. I gave you positive HIV. And this is a culture within the gay community. And if this doesn't show you how abhorrent and degenerate and disgusting and self-hating the gay community is, then I don't think anything else will. This is the pinnacle of a society and a culture that despises itself, that is fueled by <coughs> hedonism and guilt and, and just, it is the pinnacle it, of horror. It is horrible. Yeah.
0: Sorry, this is. You it sounds know, like a
3: play.
0: This is quite um, a personal question I have for you, Kalen. And if you don't want to answer, then just say no. But um, do you, why why do you think you became homosexual? Do you have any idea, or just? Well, this just... is an
6: interesting thing. I've never actually had sex before with anybody, with a male or a female or anything like that. But I would, I found that when I. Came out, or when I started to have feelings for like you know men, it was at the same time in school that girls started talking about guys and that guys started talking about girls. My sexual awakening came you know, at twelve, thirteen, the same time as everybody else. I didn't have any pressure to be gay or not to be gay. No one gave a shit at my school, so there wasn't any you know, interesting aspect of it. I genuinely think, controversial opinion, that it's a biological thing. I, I look at my family history and I can't find anything that would have encouraged me to be gay. Um, it's one of the things I've always said. I, as the girls in my class started talking about fancying other guys, I agreed with them and that was it. And it was like this private thing um yeah so i wouldn't say it's a choice i think some people choose some very hedonistic people some people who want to reject their culture choose but i think the majority of people who are attracted to the same sex i think there is a biological aspect to that uh, certainly in my case there is
0: well can i add
3: uh, I think from a christian perspective here what i think
0: yeah sorry go for it peter i just wanted to quickly say uh to Kaylin though Thank you for sharing that with us, I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that, Um, it's just something that I'm very curious about, especially because we're talking about, you know, the kind of degeneracy, and with homosexuality, I mean, if that is the case with most men, then I suppose it's just something that they need to exercise some control over, you know, in order to not cause harm to society, but we'll hear from Peter then.
3: Well, obviously, I'm not gay, <laughs> but I just thought I would give just um, give a few thoughts. On what I think, uh, from a Christian perspective, I think it has a lot to do with. Um, uh, I have to do with a lot of sp- uh, spiritual stuff. Uh, people are born with it. I I, pro- I, I would probably lean more towards. I think it's uh, some kind of spiritual stuff that uh, makes people feel that they are, um, rather than biological. That's my that's that's my opinion on on that. That's what I think. Obviously, I'm not gay, but <laughs> that's just what I think on those things. I kind of to what Kaelin said there before about uh, being very all to degenerate gay parties that he talked about. Uh, I kind of knew it was bad, but I didn't know that it was that bad. I was really I was like like uh, shocked here.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I have a question for Kaylin. Um You know, I'm 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 sort of like a, 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 a an agnostic Catholic, if you will, Kalyn. And and I have the following question, if you will. And and, and please, I, I'm addressing it to you as as you have said that uh, you are gay, and I'm I want to ask you something in, in as respectful as possible towards uh, towards you personally, and I want your honest opinion on the on the following issue. Um, you, as a, a, a self-describing homosexual male, do you feel that homosexuality is uh, a bad thing for society? Or do you think that society should be tolerant of it? That's the first part of my question. And then secondly, as a follow-up, if you, are, if you think that homosexuality is not good for society, do you think that individuals who feel that they are homosexual should sort of like try to control their homosexual tendencies or appetites, the same way, for instance, a um, an alcoholic will try to control his tendency towards uh, drinking alcohol? Would, would, I'm asking this as an honest question.
6: It's a difficult question. It's something that I've had like a lot of you know a lot of strong opinions about. I think. In terms of is homosexuality bad you know homosexuality bad for a society, it depends on what that society is. If it's a society with mass immigration that's threatened with being overpopulated by immigrants, then it's bad for that society because they're going to be outbred I and mean, we need as many white guys, you know, breeding as as much as possible. But for a society without mass immigration, Britain before that, America before that Um, I don't think it is because I think okay so look you have these mass numbers of people who are growing up in care who have been abandoned by their parents whose parents died through childbirth blah 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 and they are going to grow up in a horrible environment they're not going to have a parental figure they're going to grow up and they're going to be really abusive and things like that so I think there is a gap and the same thing exists in the animal kingdom where there is a gap in in abandoned children who need to be brought up by couples and gay couples do fill a lot of that, that void so I think it's very important for that so I think Gays who are adopting children. I think that's a very good thing. It's a very important thing because it stops young young children growing up and, and, and without parent figures. In terms of, of instead of holding their feelings back, it depends on what those feelings are. If there are feelings for young boys under the age of 18, which probably over 50% of homosexuals have desires for, then yeah, they should hold them back. If you're harming another person, you should hold that back. That's abhorrent, that's disgusting, whatever. But you can't really, you can't really say to a gay person to hold back their feelings for men for the sake of, you know, becoming straight. That's just not going to work. What you're going to have is 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 a marriage that ends in failure, because they're going to end up pursuing that anyway. It doesn't really work. So, depends on the society you're talking about. <sighs> I don't, I mean, it's a difficult question. It's something I kind of flip-flop about really, because it's the personal aspect, the anecdotal aspect, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good for a society which needs, you know, young children to be brought up in a loving family. It's bad in a society that's desperate for white birth rates.
5: <laughs> no, the
6: reason I'm asking is because
1: I, I know a homosexual who, um, who was Catholic. Uh, I, I, or a Catholic who happened to be homosexual, and he uh deliberately controlled his desire and and never acted on his homosexual impulse and uh, he had a a fairly miserable personal life and yet no, I mean, do, do it's it, it's like, was, saying,
6: it's like saying you act on your on your heterosexual impulse there isn't really a heterosexual impulse. there's just an impulse. that's how it is being gay. so it's like saying you don't act on any impulses. Right. There's no such thing, you know what I mean? So that's how it works. So it's kind of nonsense to say, I have a friend or I know someone in an auntie who rejected homosexuality. Well, I don't don't really buy any of that.
4: Yeah, I think Mark has something he wants to
2: say. Yeah, look, number one, what anyone says about homosexuality, homosexuality and the LGBT agenda has been a vector that the left have used to push degeneracy upon our society. And it has been part of the slippery slope that has led to a sexual revolution, which is now got us teetering on the brink of accepting pedophilia, bestiality, and all manner of sexual horrors. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not gonna go around and suggest that anyone gets tracked down and put in the gulags for their sexual orientation. But homosexuals, please, back to the closet. And if you don't want to join us, if you don't want to join the Nationalists and go back in the comfy closet, you can wait for the Muslims to get to power, and it's roof-topping time. So, Mark, about that. You
6: know, look at countries and societies
2: that two seconds, I'm not. Sexual. Two seconds. All right. <laughs> go on. Go on. Seconds. And secondly, I don't believe homosexual adoption is a positive thing. I think we need a return to traditionalism. And I think that children need a mother and a father. They need to have... Both sexes present when they're being brought up and they need the male and female perspective on life And I think as I said if homosexuals, you know want to pursue the homosexual lifestyle They are free to do so, but they should do so behind closed doors. They should what they do in their own bedrooms up to them, but that obviously means that they cannot biologically conceive and I do believe in the Promotion of the traditional nuclear family. I think that's the cornerstone of Western society And that should never ever be toyed with and if homosexuals do wish to have children then you know maybe they should just have to bite their lip and either give up on that or have sex with a woman and you know try to live in a heterosexual relationship because unfortunately You know, that's the choice. We all make choices in life. We all, you know, have crosses to bear. And believe me, you know, I don't think it's good for any child to be without the influence of either a mother or a father.
6: I mean, trying to get, trying to get a, a gay guy to sleep with a woman is like trying to get you to sleep with a man. It's the same sort of impulse. Also pushing homosexuality behind the scenes and trying to conf- constrict it ends up in a situation like Saudi Arabia. The Middle East has the highest search rankings of gay porn. They have the highest numbers of se- homosexuality in the world because they suppress it. They throw away the women and they suppress it and it becomes more cool and blah, blah, blah to be gay. One in 10 people are gay or whatever the statistic is. There have been gay people throughout thousands of years of history and every species of animal It's going to exist in a society, whether you like it or not. Whatever that society imposes against it, it's what you do with it. First of all, we can't say gays should have sex with women or gays should be put in closet. That's not going to work. That's just going to drive it underground. It's actually going to make it more seedy and cool, and more people do it. So that's a shit option. What you really should do is say, okay, if you're going to be gay, we sh- you know you don't you, you shouldn't have gay marriage because that's imposing you know nonsense on churches. You shouldn't. You need to adhere to British values. You need to you need to you need to have a family. I'm going to uh, what's it called? Infantil- infertilize a woman or whatever it's called. I'm going to reproduce because I'm going to do that uh, thing where you impregnate a woman with a needle or whatever it is. So I'm going to reproduce with children. If you, I, you know, I am going to reproduce. So you can do that. There are there are things that you can impose on it, but driving it underground does not work. It creates the opposite effect. It's very bad to go down that line. Gays are going to exist whether you like it or not. And that's the thing. But there is a difference between talking about that and talking about uh, gay culture, which is abhorrent and which should be dealt with. Um... So it's a very difficult subject, you can't... But without
2: being disrespectful, once it comes out of the closet, it then is like a snowball rolling down a hill. It's then public displays, then it's gay pride marches, then it's adoption, then it's marriage, then it's what we've got now, where people are openly talking about pushing what they're calling pedosexuality. You've got mainstream media outlets discussing whether incest should be legalized you've got i read i did a podcast on this where a mainstream news outlet chronicled the exploits of a man who was in a loving relationship with a horse and they were talking about this from a sympathetic point of view and what i'm saying is all of this and it's not individual homosexuals but the homosexual agenda has been used by the left as a weapon against western civilization
6: well it depends i mean if you look at feminism we say feminism has gone (coughs) completely out of control and allowed all this nonsense to happen should we completely abandon the entire feminist movement and not allow women to to vote how far back do you go and it's the same with the gay rights movement I think you should go a hey, little bit back, but you shouldn't go right to the very, you know, we shouldn't become like Saudi Arabia. We shouldn't say, no, not at all. It's completely illegal. It's not about yes or no, or black or white.
2: I didn't say it should be illegal. I said what people do in their own homes is up to them. But what I'm saying is pushing it as a normal and natural alternative to the heterosexual traditional family unit is something that I disagree with.
6: So I think I misheard you. I completely agree with that. That makes total sense. I think
2: mm-hmm. I I think I misheard you on there. Okay, that, yeah, yeah, I, I completely I, I agree with Heterosexual know. and homosexual high five, <laughs> Kaylin. <laughs> okay. I agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys agreed on more than you were.
6: We do, we do.
0: But I mean so, just the last thing I'd like to point out on this topic, because I don't want to feel like we're all gang up on you, Kaylin. That's not very fair. You know, five to one or whatever it is. Um but uh, when you said that gays should be able to adopt and things, but then straight after that, you said about 50% of gay men are attracted to underage boys. I mean, that doesn't sound like a very good idea, you know, cause you can't determine which ones are going to be the pedos.
6: You're right. You know, I'll admit, I've never been picked up on that. I never really made that connection. I think it's because of the anecdotal evidence. Because I think I would make a great father, and things like that. I know people who would make great fathers. I think you could. It could work if you're in a society that had really, really strict policies on the adoption, with very strict background checks, with personality checks, and things like that. You could really get away with it. But it's a really interesting question that you pose. I don't. I, I actually agree with you. Uh, I would have to rethink what I said. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think personally I'd make a great parent. But yeah, maybe maybe putting them in such a high risk group is a bad idea. So you know what? I'm I'm probably reconsidering what I said.
0: Yeah, we have to be careful. And when I see that there are you know, when I see that there are people waiting in um, you know, homes to be adopted and things, that's horrible and I wish that they they could be adopted out and and having two you know, having two gay fathers who are not pedophiles, I would assume they're going to be better off the people who uh, are just stuck in foster care. I would assume that, but then it's oh, just... Well, there's
1: yeah. one... There's, yeah, yeah that's, that's There's one that's, from that's the same correct. time, but I have, to point out, I have to point out the obvious, which is that, uh, as Caelan will probably be able to confirm, that most homosexual marriages, quote-unquote, between two gay men, two gay women, two gay men, they tend to be de facto open marriages, and uh, the fact of the matter is more than 50% of them are uh, open marriages where both partners are able to pursue other sexual relationships outside of the marriage. And so th- that kind of environment um, is extremely uh, damaging to small children. Irrespective of the, of the sexuality of the parents, be they two homosexual parents or a, a heterosexual couple, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, two parents who are obviously promiscuous, obviously pursuing other sexual opportunities within the family unit ability of children. And that can be, it seems to me, something that you would want to avoid insofar as uh, adopt uh, children who are being adopted. And also, there are more parents who want to adopt children than children to go around. So why is it that homosexual couples are being prioritized? Loving, uh, monogamous, heterosexual couples are more than willing to adopt the, the, the children that are pl- placed for adoption. That's an interesting
6: point, I would say that's very strange because there are a huge number of children who grew up in care in the UK who don't have anyone to look after. I, them, I've actually to them. I've looked into well,
0: this and I can explain it if you're interested. The thing yeah. is, yes. for example, uh, new white babies are in extremely high demand. Uh, white couples, white heterosexual couples and also gay couples are on like waiting lists and they will pay Tens of thousands of dollars to you know as fees to adopt new white babies um, Now new black babies, babies mm. are In less demand they cost less and there are no waiting lists and then when you get people who've actually been taken away from the parents maybe age six maybe age ten um And often the ones that are mixed race or non-white are the ones who have a lot of trouble finding parents because it's mainly white people who adopt and they mainly want people who look like them. And often these children have a lot of problems um, because they've been through a lot of trauma, which is a very sad situation, horrible. um, But this is the fact of the situation. And it is an absolute crime that there are gays who are getting put to the top of the list for getting these white babies who could have heterosexual couple couples look after them, you know, married heterosexual couples. I think they'd be far better off and that's horrible. Um, anyhow, hopefully we can move on from this topic because we've got a lot of things to, to- cover. Um, it's a very interesting discussion though. Um, I'd like Mark to speak about what's happened in Southwark in the UK where an apparent jihadi has actually been um, Put in a position of power. Could you tell us what's happened there, Mark?
2: We've got lots of interesting questions to go through, but this one is just one that kind of sort of made my day in its just utter absurdity. I tweeted about this the other day, and we've actually got a female jihadi who actually took part in uh, helping a tube attack 10 years ago and she's been given a top job at Southwark Council and she even appeared on the front page of the local authority magazine which is called Southwark Housing News as the face of the local authority now obviously this is a a, you know a left-wing authority it's a labour authority but this just shows how far we've gone in this country where people can literally come here they can commit a terrorist act against our people, and then they become the face of the local authority. And I'm sure everyone here is gonna have a lot to say on this, but Ryan's been a little quiet lately. Would you like to add something to this, Ryan?
4: Uh no, I don't because
2: I don't know anything about it. Unfortunately, he doesn't then. Um, <laughs> Kaylin, you're obviously from the UK. What are your thoughts on this? Could you now this might, Could you just repeat the
6: a summarised bit at the end about so uh, jihadis are doing what? My sound went.
2: Ah, well, as I say, I think there's probably not that many people who've got that much to say on this. So I got I got something to say. That. Ah, Peter's got Peter actually has got something to say
3: on this. Okay. Yeah, I saw the story and I was like, I mean, you see the story. And then you see this other story. I just read this other story at the same time yesterday. There's this guy called the Lawrence Burns, who actually got four years in jail for writing anti-Semitic Facebook posts. Uh, And they apparently shared some uh, um, paintings that Hitler had made, Uh, He shared them on Facebook. And he actually got four years in jail for this. Now, Obviously, I don't agree with his opinions at all. I think... uh, I think his opinions are stupid, but uh, he has very much the right to freedom of speech and express his opinions. And so they jailed him for years, yet they put this jihadi terrorist in a top council job. I mean, how insane is it? It's it's so obvious by now that this agenda that they have is aimed at trying to destroy us. They're trying to destroy our culture, our country. They're bringing these people in that. I mean, a few of them are fine, but they're bringing so many and then they're putting them to rule over us. Meanwhile, they're jailing us. Well, not not specifically us, I don't don't agree with his opinions, but they're jailing our people, you can say, uh, Europeans. Jailing them for uh, thought crime. Meanwhile, they're importing these uh, people from other countries and putting them to rule over us. I think that just goes to show how insane and how obvious this agenda really is becoming. Why are people it's even surprised by this
6: anymore? Look, Sadiq Khan is now the mayor of London. He, in the 1990s or the early 2000s, defended 1990s, defended one of the 9-11 organizers in London in court. I mean, we excuse it because they're brown. We excuse it because they're Muslim. We say, oh, well, whatever their problem is, whatever they've done, whoever they've voted, it doesn't really matter. We're going to promote them because we have a massive demand for you know mo- uh, minorities in our industry, so that's why we do it. Uh, it's a. They don't care about who's done what crime. It, look at Sadiq Khan. So that's why this kind of nonsense happens. It uh, should be no surprise for anyone, but then again, it should still be surprising.
4: Okay, I have a question for like all, like all you guys because because I'm I look at this, I see this. Like here's what I see is going on. This is just what I see is going on. Is you have a bunch of people who are sort of um, every individual wants to be the not racist and they want to be. Uh, promoting, you know, uh, the black person, and nobody wants to, for example, be the one who stands in the way to this lady who got promoted to. I don't, I forget the position was. She was head of some sort of. I, I don't know anything about this particular situation, but no individual wants to stand in the way of her going up because that that person then becomes the racist when she got promoted up to the point that she got promoted to. That's sort of how I see this happening as as kind of a collection action, collective action problem all these people sort of their, their individual sort of uh, self-centered um, uh, thinking that's causing all of this, not necessarily a sort of top-down um, controlled demolition of, of Europe. Uh, so what do you think about the, the, the difference between those two ideas? Uh, being either sort of a controlled conspiracy to destroy Europe or just a collective action problem and a bunch of cat ladies in positions of power doing their thing? All right,
0: let's, uh, let's I think uh,
1: I, I think it was just a, a collection of bad decisions over the years. I think that, for instance, in the UK, the decision back in the '60s to allow people from the uh, former common, from the former empire, the then Commonwealth, to emigrate freely to the United K- uh, Kingdom created enormous power, uh, problems. Enoch Powell wrote about, uh, said about this in the famous uh, River Blood speech. He dismissed as a racist, and his uh, political career was over. And yet, it turned out that what he had predicted, what he thought would happen, turned out to be uh, the, the conservative estimate and completely unrealistic estimate as to what actually wound up happening insofar as um, immigration. And there have been a series of political decisions over the years that have just been a problem. But the, the notion that, you know, George Soros and Henry Kissinger and the other lizard people are all sitting around a, a, a table, you know, a green-based table, and rubbing their hands together and, and, and plotting the destruction of uh, Western civilization, I think that's Still, to tell the
5: truth. Okay. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. So, so, seriously.
0: So, Coach Red Pill. Um, he, you believe that that's basically incompetence going on there. I know that yeah. um, Mark has a different perspective. Let's hear the contrasting perspective from Mark.
2: Look, to claim this is all an accident, I think would be nonsensical. People have obviously got an insidious plan to destroy the West. Now, I'm not saying they meet like a bunch of Bond villains in some shadowy Dracula's castle around a big table. But what I am saying is you can see across every Western country the same group of people have been pulling the strings and pushing everything that is insidious and harmful to the left. Feminism, the LGBT agenda... Degeneracy, acceptance of drugs, promiscuity, they have attacked the family, they have forced women away from men. And all of these things have been pushed by the same little clique. And on top of that, these people are quite open and honest about their plans they talk about the long march through the institution they institutions they talk about the way they've captured the media the education system local authorities this hasn't just all been one giant accident, it has been done by design. And people can laugh, you can laugh and say, well it hasn't, well what is the long march through the institutions then? Why do the left crow about this? And we were talking earlier about the LGBT agenda being used as a vector to push degeneracy. You have leading Labour Party members of parliament who were working in groups with a group called the paedophile information exchange to push the dialogue to the left this hasn't just happened by accident it's happened by design okay so
1: you're saying that there is no group of people bond villains sitting around plotting on the destruction of western europe are such people plotting around the destruction of western europe and and uh, western civilization I mean I, look, it, economic decisions that hollowed out the uh, middle- class working classes and lower middle classes in the Western democracies. These uh, policies of globalization, of economic globalization were pushed by uh, Margaret Thatcher, um, Ronald Reagan and their whole ilk uh, for the Western economies. And the unintended side effect of this was the destruction of these manufacturing jobs and now. These um, middle-class, working-class, and lower-middle-class workers who have no future employment, no city employment. This is a a net negative for the society, right? Part of globalization. And yet, on the other hand, you have, on the um, leftist side, you have the whole cultural issue. So you're saying that both Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan and, you know, all these uh, commies in academia, which I agree, the academia is full of commies. Okay, I mean I'm not doubting that, but all these commies and academia—they all got together and they're all pushing the same thing for the destruction, of civilization. I mean, it 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 seems that that uh, that everybody is involved in one gr- big plot to destroy Western civilization. That's what you're saying, whereas I'm saying that's exactly what I'm saying. Decisions that have have compounded themselves. It, it's not. It's not the tendency of any one individual or even a group of individuals. It's just been bad decisions compounded on on top of bad decisions. It seems that it's that, that explains more. There's like some
2: mastermind group that is deliberately pushing this stuff.
0: All right, let's hear a quick response it, from Mark and then we're gonna move on because we've got a couple more questions. To get.
2: I think Peter wants to say something after me. I think he's um, he looks like he's well, itching to say something as well. But what I'll say is, all of these bad decisions have all been pushed relentlessly by the media, and there has never been opposition. If this was all just chaotic, if this was all just happening by accident, there'd be some bad decisions and there'd be some good decisions. Sometimes things would slide our way, the way we like it, things to go traditionally, and sometimes they'd slide the other way. But that isn't the case. This has been a slow and concerted effort that over time has been speeded up. And the people doing it, the internationalists and the globalists, know what they're doing. They're nation wreckers. They're doing this by design and they're doing this for their own personal profit. And it has happened consistently across every Western nation. It hasn't just happened in France and the other Western nations have looked around and gone, oh, that didn't really work out. It hasn't just happened in Britain. It's happened all over the Western world because it's the same people doing it in every single country. Okay. It's the same insidious group. Um, let's
0: see. Does Peter have something quickly to add about this? Because um, let's we'll move on after this one. Did you have anything, Peter?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you have to look at <laughs> at these bad decisions. Who are making these bad decisions? Bad decisions not usually just come by about Ooh. themselves. Uh, you have to look huh? at, at at who has been doing this. I think. If you want to look at, I mean, I know, I know, especially in the chats, uh, people think I'm talking, especially about a certain group of uh, people. But uh, I think we, we we know who who that. I think that's what a lot of people in the chat think. I I think I also want to add, there is uh, there is there is more people behind this as well. You know, you have a you have um, you have the Vatican. I think uh, from a Christian perspective, I think the Vatican has been incredibly. Uh, incredibly harmful and a part of this kind of uh, elite, a part of this elite trying to push doing doing these bad decisions so you can just see how the pope now is just blatantly uh, pushing these uh, these bad decisions at the moment uh combined with the uh, white liberals uh, fifth columnists who are willing to destroy their own countries for personal profit uh for Enslaving the rest of the people. All right, so we get the idea, like
0: a a load of different groups that might be profiting from it. Um, So that's the argument, you know? Is it is it incompetence? Is it design? Is it both? Who knows? Um, I'm gonna have us quickly move on to the next question because I know we've got questions from the chat and I want to get through them. So can we do a bit of a quick fire round because we're wrapping up right now? We've only got ten minutes left. Uh, Mark, please quickly. uh, We've got a a
2: very good question here. Um, And I'll I'll, I'll, I'll shoot this one out. Does Merkel's recent decision to start to limit immigration to Germany signal a future EU-wide shift in policy in order to reduce the rise of right-wing populism? Now, I'll just um, give my little bit of perspective on this um, before I pass it around to the room. I think that Merkel is one of the greatest enemies of the European people that we've ever had. But one thing I'll give her is that she's an honest enemy of the European people. She's been very honest about her open door policy. She's basically been honest about the fact that she is utter, utter vermin. Now now she's saying she wants to limit it, and obviously that's to attack the AFD, but make no mistake, all she's doing is talking. It's like Theresa May. Theresa May in the UK has been anti-immigration, 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 yet when she, was Home Secretary, she legally let in in her last year as Home Secretary, she legally let in 650,000 immigrants whilst talking tough on immigration. And also she admitted to letting a further 200,000 slip through the net illegally. So that's 850,000 in a single year. Now, to put that into perspective, that's more immigrants coming in to the UK in one single year than came in between 1066, when we were last conquered, to 1939, which is the start of the Second World War. Now, what I'm saying is, whatever these people say about limiting immigration, it's a lie. And it goes back to what we've just said, and this is why it's all by design, because whatever they say, whatever they tell us, whatever policy they put forward, Whether it's by hook or by crook, it's always an open door because they want to erase white people. Kaylin, your thoughts?
0: Um, Could you repeat the question for Kaylin because I didn't catch it.
2: The question, again, is does Merkel's recent decision to start to limit immigration to Germany signal a future EU-wide shift in policy in order to reduce the rise of right-wing populism?
6: Well no it doesn't really make a difference. I mean it's too little too late. Germany is still so riddled with white guilt because of the you know nonsense that went on in World War 2 blah 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 that they can't possibly you know limit immigration. They just re-voted You know, for the same party, they don't really give a shit. Germany is completely lost. Uh, It doesn't really make a difference, who cares? Uh, She can say whatever she wants. She could literally pick up a refugee and throw them into the sea, and no one would care. It doesn't make a difference, she's done enough damage. Uh, So it doesn't matter what she does now.
0: I lived in Germany
1: for a while, and I can say that, yeah, Germany is over. Caitlin's right, it doesn't really matter what happens now. Anything that happens now is just uh, short-term politicking the optics of the moment. It means absolutely nothing long term for Germany. Germany is over, and and we should just uh you know just sing the funeral dirge for that country, because right. uh, and, and
3: Sweden too, unfortunately.
0: Pizza? Okay, um, yeah, you go. Yes.
3: Yeah, I think um I think saying that it's over, I think is the wrong path to go. Uh, that's what the globalists want. They want you to feel defeated, the That they think it's uh, hopeless. It's never too late. It's never it's never too late to uh, to turn things around. Uh, you know, look in, in Sweden right now. Uh, things are really starting to. I can feel things are starting to turn in Sweden. More and more people are getting opposed to mass migration. It looks like the Swedish Democrats might actually win the next election. And they are, um, well, how do put it? They, they, they well, I, have quite some. Uh, well, well, my. my Thinking is that you
1: know if we when we start seeing plane loads leaving Stockholm filled with immigrants or migrants rather and depositing them in Nigeria and uh, the Middle East and wherever these people came from, well then I believe that the, that the, the, this is not over. But until that day happens where they're actually expelling uh, plane loads of these mass migrants, I, I I I just look at what's given to me. it Seems clear. But and I think Germany I think and Sweden are lost. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean this in, 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 to, to be like a, a spoil sport. but they're not deporting these mass migrants, and these mass migrants are forging bonds with that country. And, and I, I, you know, I'm just being well, realistic. Think, okay, well,
4: well, one thing to consider is that um, uh, I believe Pew did a, did a, did a, looked at the uh, fertility rates of Muslims compared to Christians in Europe. Um, and it's 1.7 to 2.1. The Muslims are at 2.1 to 1.7, so it's bad. It's a bad ratio, but it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Also, uh, the trend is down for for the Muslims, and whereas the white trend is basically uh, flatlined. So, um, so that's always something to consider: is that um, the the massive fertility of the Muslims, especially second and third generation, is not something to be taken as just by fiat as something that's just inevitably going to happen especially given that there's no reason to think from an evolutionary perspective that sort of the the brown Caucasians you know are more have a higher propensity to have more kids than than the white Caucasians you know just from like an evolutionary perspective so um so like the numbers are not that bad and moreover the fertility rate of these groups goes down um one thing to remember is that conservative whites in the US actually outbreed everybody except for foreign-born Hispanics. So, you know, it, it's not so, – so the, the numbers – the fertility numbers don't, are not that bad, and they, and they trend sort of in our favor. And so if you can just sort of get a lockdown on, on immigration, then you can stabilize the situation, and from there –
1: um, well, is there a lockdown on immigration? I don't think
4: so. <laughs> well, that's, so, what so that's what we're watching on
0: Coach yeah. Red That's what we're here for. So that's no,
4: no, no, But parties that are opposed to immigration are gaining ground. Look, I'm and saying when Britain is, which is where it's like, I, I don't, I, I, don't know. And I, I focus more on the United States, but I know in Britain it's still something like 84 percent European, and they're and saying throw in the towel. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't really uh
0: yeah we're not going to give up that easy and thanks for the white I don't, pill
4: oh yeah i don't i don't think, i don't i don't, I don't think it's as far gone i don't think it's as far gone as a lot of people like to like to say
3: right but, i mean, I if, mean you, if you look if you look at if you look sorry. at norway
0: uh, okay let's hear about norway go yeah, ahead
3: yeah if you look at norway it's uh it's actually cr- not that many migrants here as many people think it's actually uh i look at statistics living in Norway, and about, of them I believe it's about 350,000 that are migrants from the Middle East or Africa. Uh, so that's less than 8%. Uh, so we still are obviously have the numbers in our favor, especially in, in certain countries like Norway. And I think what we need to do is it's never too late. Uh, the implications of something can happen further away in the future when we get to, when everything is sorted. Uh, right now, we have to win the culture war, the media war. You know, Just look what Denmark did. Uh, with the, They had a problem with the, with the birth rate. And the Danish government actually did a uh, campaign, an advertising campaign on TV where they encouraged Danish uh, women and men to have babies. I'm not kidding, it's actually the Danish government actually had an advertising campaign where they encouraged them to have more babies. And it was actually successful, Uh, they did study and it showed it increased. The uh, birth rate by uh, from Danish parents uh, by quite. So These the
6: numbers are not in our favor. Eight percent is not in our favor, but especially with the birth rate of six point five and plus with migrants in Africa and, uh, and the Middle East, with birth rates of indigenous populations being less than two, the numbers are not That's in exactly our favor of the Middle East at all. I mean, it's it's you know fifty years they're going to be replaced. That's not in our favor. It's, but
4: it's, no not, that, it's, not, that. it's not that in Europe though. It's not that in Europe though, and and it goes down when they arrive in Europe.
6: It goes down very right. small amounts. It's gone, yes, yes, yes. But 6.4 is including that. It's gone down from around 10 plus to 6.4. So, I mean, that's no, it. No,
4: no, no. For Muslims, it's 2.1
6: well it's From not 2.1 most families down the street to see 20 8 20 children 20, 20, it's not 2.1 it's not true it, native
1: the, french uh, by the year 2050 will be a minority in their own country
6: and sweden will be a third world country thing. by the un declared this is not this is not crazy conspiracy theory this is fact maybe a couple of muslim families have lowered their birth rates for some bizarre reason but the majority have astronomically higher birth rates than indigenous populations yes what's so
2: no. the most popular boy's name in in england year on year Mohammed yep. is the most popular boy's name in england we're projected yes. by government projections Look, at the end of the day this is the
1: solution okay poland is the only solution in europe i mean poland and hungary and and the uh, check and uh Belarusia and ukraine the eastern europe is basically the the game and and i think that the the emphasis should be See, when you're a general, when you're fighting a war, you have to realize when you've lost a particular piece of land. And we have to recognize that uh, Germany and and, um, and uh, Belgium and, and Netherlands have been lost. And we have to, as, as if people who are concerned about Western civilization, we have to fall back on the areas that we know are still strongholds. And that would be um, the countries of Eastern Europe, because they recognize what it is to be under a the yoke of some kind, and they don't want to repeat the experience and that's why the poles refuse to accept any Muslim migrants and, and we should be supporting them.
0: Okay I'm just yeah, going to interrupt the conversation think... I'm sorry but um, so we we're fine. like practically at two hours right now um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if any of you want to leave at this point or if you would like to continue the conversation because I know we're all having quite a lively conversation here it's totally up to you. Um, like if you want to say... to um, okay now I know but Ryan really has a lot of information when it comes to demographic data, and he's been studying this for years. So let's just hear what he has to say on this.
4: Now, uh, for for the United States, though, I, I actually don't know that much regarding uh, Europe. I just I just saw a few a few studies, so it's very likely I could be wrong. But I think it's time for me to do a deep dive on the demographics of of Europe, because um, what I, what I I'm like white pilled because I'm looking because I uh, break down sort of the demographics of groups in the United States, and I say this is actually not that bad, you know. Um, but maybe it is that bad for, for Western Europe. I don't know for sure. I don't think it is. I saw a, a study from Pew saying it didn't look that bad, but maybe it is that bad. I'll have to... I, I just have to look into it more.
0: Okay, well, I'd very much like to see a video or an article from you on that. Um Mark, let's get on with the next question, shall we?
2: Okay. The next question is... What do people think of the Football Lads Alliance? Do people think that's a good political development in the UK or a negative political development in the UK? Um, Kaylin is shaking his head, so I am going to pass it straight over to you, Kaylin.
6: I literally just spoke to Big Phil, or whatever his name is, about this. I was requesting an interview with him, you know, this spat with Tommy Robinson. What a cuck, he just said he declined to comment after, you know, five or six messages with me. Uh, The Football Lads Alliance spoke to me and Tommy when we were working together a few months ago, and they are the pinnacle and definition of cowards. They have lessened their tone a little bit now. But, you know, when we were working together, we messaged them. And, we, you know, Tommy messaged them and he said, uh, what's this about? What's going on? You know, they had a march and there's a few people there. And they were like, uh, you're not invited. You're not supposed to come. Rebel Media can't come. top Robinson can't come. We are far right. We can't be associated with you guys. You know, all this garbage. And, uh, and, and we were like, OK, well, we'll go then, you know. Who cares? And now they've grown in numbers, and they've grown in numbers because they're marching against a very generic thing, which is terrorism. But they are total cucks at heart. The owners, the people who are organizing it, all of it. And as soon as let me tell you, as soon as Antifa stand up to racism and all these groups in the UK start protesting them, they're going to see their numbers drop massively. The only reason they're allowed on the street, the only reason all these people are marching with them is because they can do it so freely without any without any pain or discomfort. Now Tommy's joined in and all that stuff. As soon as the next one happens, there's going to be a big far-left backlash and people won't be bothered with it anymore. They don't really stand for anything. They don't really do anything. It's, it's nonsense. They say, oh, you know, the mainstream media aren't reporting on the FLA. Well, no, they're not reporting on the FLA because it's boring. It's not really doing anything. It's nonsense. It's a bunch of guys saying, oh, we don't like terrorism. No one fucking likes terrorism. Muslims don't like terrorism. Grow up. March against something serious. March against Islam. March against immigration. Do something about it. Grow up. So yeah, the F.L.A. Flash in the pan. Boring.
2: I
3: think One thing ask, that bothers. Um- sorry, Kay. I'm sorry,
6: sorry
3: Peter. I-, I know someone. Yeah, Kaylin. You remember Red Pill Phil? He was in. He was in the F.L.A. March. I know. If you want to talk to him, maybe. Uh, maybe get him if you want to talk about the F.L.A. March.
6: Yeah, he was there. I mean, I've spoken to Fred Pill Phil a few times. He's cool. He's not the organiser, so I've not got anything against him. He's, you know, he's fair enough. People are going to these marches and doing whatever they want. They're reporting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think it's a non-story. In one year's time, the FLA will cease to exist. As I said, once the far left start protesting them, people won't bother going to them. Uh, who cares? They're not, they're, not doing, they're not saying anything. They're saying we don't like terrorism. It's like saying I don't like, you know, Burnt food. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything.
2: Well, I think it's. I think it's a bit worse than that. Actually, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to attack any good people who are on that march. But if you look at all the propaganda being produced by the Football Lance Alliance, it is very, very mealy-mouthed in its wording, and they are saying we oppose extremism. In all its forms, right-wing extremism, Islamic extremism, leftist extremism. Now, really, all of this nonsense has already put them on the back foot, and they're already producing lists of people, I'm sure I'm on that list, who wouldn't be welcomed at these events. And the problem with this is they're basically feeding in to the government's mantra that multiculturalism and multiracialism is working it's just the extremists that is ruining it all and really when you've got a large group of people who are buying into that rubbish and buying into theresa may's garbage i mean these guys are really reading from the prevent handbook in that they're saying that any form of extremism is bad and multicultural society will work otherwise that really is hugely detrimental to the survival of our people because essentially multiculturalism leads to one thing which is white genocide
6: oh anybody who says i reject all terrorism or all extremism in all forms makes me cringe beyond belief what is the last time we had right-wing terrorism well we had the guy run into someone at finsbury park mosque which by the way the only person who died from that was the one who had a heart attack when he realized and heard all the extremism coming out of Finsbury Park Mosque. Second is Joe Cox killing, which, by the way, I don't give a shit about Joe Cox. So she was killed by some insane person. Who gives a fuck? Joe Cox was killed by an insane lunatic who was quoting Britain first. He doesn't represent the right. The left have this massive demand and no supply for Nazism and far-rightism. There is no far-right extremism in the UK. It doesn't exist. 31,000 Islamic terror attacks have taken place since 9-11, four in the UK have taken place since then. If you really think 31,000 and 4 are the same thing and should be equated in the same sentence, then you should shut the fuck up. The FLA is a complete joke. Anybody who compares Islamic terrorism and real terrorism with right-wing terrorism is a total joke. They are someone who would have been put in the docks a hundred years ago. Tomatoes should be thrown at them. There is no place for them. It's nonsense.
2: No, no, I I agree with that, and I think that's something that we have to make sure isn't pushed as a legitimate narrative. Because what they are trying to do is to equate people like us, who don't agree with multiculturalism, with Islamic terrorists. And if the Football Lands Alliance are pushing that narrative, I find that a a problem. Um, Stephen, he's back. He's obviously Wait had the a longest
0: sec. Sorry, trailer. Mark. Um, sorry, Mark. So Ryan has Ryan is going to leave. So I'm just gonna say goodbye to Ryan Falk. He is from the alternative hypothesis.org, also YouTube channel by the same name. And I highly recommend checking out that YouTube channel if you're remotely interested in the science on recent IQ or demographic data, etc. He does an excellent job of breaking it down. Um, anything you'd like to say, Ryan, before you leave?
4: Uh, not really. Uh, just uh, just happy to be here. Thanks for having me on and uh, see you around.
0: Right. Great. Thank you very much for joining us, Kay. So back to Mark.
2: No, I was just going to throw that to Stephen. Obviously, Stephen's uh, had the longest toilet break ever, but he is now back and he's hopefully got something good to tell us. Right, right. Yeah, I had
5: an appointment. So, uh, you know, an appointment with the toilet. So it took me a bit there. But, uh, you know, we're talking about right wing extremism. And, and I just have to agree with Kaylin. It just doesn't exist. And when, it, when right-wing extremists decide that it will exist, you'll know. Because these case selected guys, particularly here in the United States, that are preppers and they're, you know, uh, these constitutionalist guys and these oath keepers and stuff, they're, they're laying real low. I mean, you know, they caused serious troubles. If you think about the Oregon Rancher standoff where they took control of this Bureau of Land Management building, Uh, these, these cowboys that came up from Utah or Nevada, I think it was, they made themselves known and they were entrenched and they were a dangerous force to be reckoned with. And the FBI treated them just about like they would an invading force. I mean, they were so threatened and so terrified by these guys. So you'll know when the bad boys come rolling down from the hills, you'll know. And it's just it doesn't it's not happening right now. You know, we're we're getting enough momentum, and we're winning through free speech. That that is not even an option that's really on the table. When's
6: the last time a right wing terrorist ever ran over people on the sidewalk of a of a, of a bridge? It just does not happen. It's just no. fictional. Supply outlays demand. You know, maybe at Charlottesville someone was run over. Even. Even, worst case scenario, they run over because of the ideology of right-wing extremism. Who the fuck cares? It's one person. Look at 9-11. There was nearly 3,000 people. It's irrelevant. The numbers are not comparable. It is completely irrelevant. As an ideology, you know, it's... Uh It just doesn't exist. It's just this hysteria. And you know what? who's adopting this hysteria? Majid Nawaz on the right. You have people in the middle, people on the left and the far left. The majority of people are are adopting this. And they cannot use the word extremism or Islamic extremism without also referring to far right. And it's the ultimate cookery. It's the ultimate cowardice. I can't stand it. I really can't stand it. It drives me insane.
0: You know, all of us talk of um, right-wing terrorism makes me a bit nervous because I don't want us to get, you know, accused of anything just for even talking about it. So if you don't mind, hope I'm not cucking too much here, but if you don't mind, could we uh, move on to the next topic, Mark?
2: We certainly can. Now, here's a good one, and it's not a completely different thing. Do we want a long question or do we want a short question, actually? Because we've got two very good questions here. Have we got time for both?
0: Yeah, we're actually, we're just uh, kind of continuing until you guys want to quit. That's how long we're going for okay. now.
2: Cause... Well, we'll start with a long question then. And this is, this is a really good one. Um, it's something that's been asked before, but I've been loath to ask it because it is such a, a long and wide topic. Question, how do we effectively counter, overcome and obliterate leftist Marxist propaganda? Who wants to start on that one?
0: I, I would like to. I, I I feel like I haven't done as much talking as I normally do, so I'm going to get some extra talking in here. But um, So yeah, how do we overcome the propaganda? Well, I personally, I have red-pilled a fair few people in my time, I have to say. You know, don't want to boast or anything. Um, but I find what's most effective is to, first of all, not be too over the top in people's faces, like, you know, You don't want to red pill people too hard all at once, or they'll just think you're crazy because it really is like they're brainwashed and you are breaking the brainwashing. And the best way to go about doing this, and I've even looked at people who are getting people out of cults and things like this, the best thing to do is to very gently just kind of ask them a couple of questions and then just leave it and come back later, you know, next day, next week, next month. And do it again and maybe give them some information, show them some reports from the FBI or something that's very, you know, indisputable data. It's not biased. And um, over time, I find that if you will do that sporadically, not all the time, just occasionally, now and then, it will gently red pill people in a way that they can start asking questions for themselves. And once they start doing that, it's it's gone. You know, they can't be they can't be brainwashed anymore.
6: Yeah, it's probably the only solution that needs to be done with these people. But however, confirmation bias completely swamps these people to the point where they will never believe facts or reality, even if they are faced with them. So even if you give them good facts, you give them good dialogue, you give them good narrative, it's, it's irrelevant. Their views will not change because they have confirmed their bias already. So the only thing we can do with them is to carry on saying, All right, okay, very good, very good. You have those beliefs, you have those views. Great. Carry on. See where that gets you. While we're winning the argument, watch them become memes. Watch them become the okay, critical of yeah. the internet. What?
5: Something I wanted to add was something that Manu talks
1: about.
5: Something that Manu talks about is that which is inflicted in childhood. What the hell
2: is that? Yeah,
5: I don't know what's going on here.
2: Yeah, can we not talk over each other? If someone's talking, make sure everyone's got their mics muted, please, because otherwise, you know, it it starts cutting into other people's time. So, Stephen, if you'd like to continue your point, please.
5: Yeah, yeah. So something Molly talks about is that which which is inflicted into people, not through reason and evidence but through abuse, cannot be unprogrammed through reason and evidence. So there's this sort of saying that the left actually has, which I, I really like, and that is that people don't, know, don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like Care Bears and hugs, and it's, it's kind of a warm, fuzzy thing. But there is some truth to that. Uh, you know, the left is, they're, they're sort of like hard up on <laughs> nurturance, basically. I mean, they all sort of want to return back to the, you know, in-the-sky teat that they didn't get to nurse off enough when they were children. And so if you can if you can show like hey I'm a healthy person and I'm fit and I'm not here to sort of hammer you and overwhelm you to sort of get into what Tara was saying you don't want to overwhelm people you want to feed them bit by bit and you want to show them that you care but you don't want to turn them into dependence on you by giving them too much
2: so they can't handle it I think Peter's got something he'd like to say about this as well what are your thoughts Peter I mean being a uh, being Peter Sweden the journalist you're sort of in the belly of the beast when it comes to uh creating an effective counterculture
3: this is kind of my uh, my area of expertise i would say uh i think um this is something that is incredibly important uh, it might even be vital if we are able, if you are to say Western civilization how to counter the cultural marxist propaganda and the short answer is how do you do it well the short answer is uh, do what the culture Marxists have been doing they've been very effective at their propaganda, copy them, do the same thing that they've been doing. Now, what have they been doing? Well, they have been going the long way through the institutions, uh, very subversive, um, very um, subtle, subliminal propaganda, and so on, if you understand what I mean. Uh, they've been do- going it the long way um, through the media, through the schools, uh, and so on. And uh, what you have to do to counter it is you have to do the same thing yourself. And all, one thing that's really important to point out with these cultural Marxists is they are communists at heart, but they are not going around flying the communist flag or talking about communism. much. Instead, they have kind of changed their way on how to infiltrate the West uh, with culture. And they, the Frankfurt School was that well, they were communists, and they set up this invented uh, uh, cultural Marxism instead uh and i think that's something we can learn of, that the right should learn of, uh very much um and, and this is this kind of goes back to the optics thing the pr image the optics is you know this um they kind of rebranded communism into cultural marxism and then have basically managed to infiltrate the whole west with it basically making the whole west now very communist uh you know if you took someone from the 50s american uh, the 50s in america and showed them what the west has become today he would be like What's going on here? Like, they've all become communists. Is this like is Stalin just invaded the whole of Europe or something? Uh, so that's what they did. So, so, so what we should learn from that is the PR of the, the image. And, you know, don't be this 1488 uh, retard with swastikas and so on. That's just stupid. And the communists realized that, that they had to leave the communist stuff behind, but like bring their ideology in from the back, kind of, kind of through the back door, if you understand what I mean. Uh, so what the right has to do is... Absolutely, absolutely leave everything with this 1488 uh, and the swastika stuff away and um, push a sensible, uh, family-friendly optics and push the push push right message. You know, push to say, best, best and, you know, try and get birth rate ups, uh, you know, show the, the culture, show the truth about, expose also what the cultural Marxists are doing. Uh, you know, for example, I can give you an example. Just um, just uh, yesterday, I was I was in a Twitter conversation with this Mike Stutchberry guy. If you have seen him on Twitter, uh, he's been having some arguments with Paul Joseph Watson as well. Uh, and I, he was, um, he he was, uh, he he wrote on Twitter uh, that he couldn't wait to uh, to get a to to to, ra- to to mix all of the race into one nice caramel uh, mixture of humans. He wrote on Twitter. So I kind of exposed him what he was doing. So I tweeted, yeah, so w- wait a minute. So this kind of sounds very racist of you. So you're saying that the, you want black people to to become just a caramel. I, I, instead of mentioning white people, I said, it, well, you, do you mean it's black people? So, you know, you have to be very, very smart, very clever in how you deal with these people and, and expose them. And that's done through, through you know, it, you, have, you have to be the right person for the job. And it's... Um, it's a lot of work but you have to be relentless just keep pushing keep pushing expose them what they're doing and at the same time uh, pushing the the real the real truth out there, What our, our points if you will.
5: I just wanted to jump in on what you're saying Peter and you know this just got me thinking of the power of comedy <laughs> and derision and it, it, I don't know if you guys follow do you guys follow sam hyde at all i'm pretty i'm pretty into sam hyde because he's got this derision thing nailed down and you know just as rick and morty is sort of jumping the shark in a major way sam hyde is in there and he's on it and he's just like he's just killing rick and morty it's almost like single-handedly he's just driving a sword through the heart of rick and morty and so i think you know if we look back historically you look at slavery slavery in the united states was actually a out the door because people were just they were deriding it they were making fun of it they were saying yeah you know this is kind of lame and and that's if you want to win in the culture war, I think you have to really take and harness the power of comedy or, or push people that use comedy uh, to break down the falsehoods that are prevalent in uh, paradigm so
3: you know I agree with you there Steve that's a very very important point for me very, very important point there. and that's kind of what I was alluding to as well with optics you know, you have these 1488ers who so are just pushing this militant, uh, bam, 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 bam. No, that's just, a, that's just a completely wrong way to go about it. You should be nice, you should be loving, you should be uh, humorous. Use comedy, uh, as, as you mentioned there. Uh, very good.
5: Uh, and show that you have a big heart and embrace the art of the future, not the, the past, but you know, like Synthwave has really made it round. Synthwave, Vaporwave, uh, Retro, Electro, these sort of things. I've really made the rounds in in all right circles and stuff like this because it's like music that is optimistic in some ways. You know, some of it's kind of dark, but a lot of it's like, oh, Space Age, and we're going to have flying cars and Blade Runner stuff. And, and. And people in the 70s and the 60s and the 70s, they got really excited about going to the stars and traveling the solar system and stuff like this. And so this artistic movement that's found its way back into the alt-right that I think is really effective at at sort of a subliminal level with people is to sort of relay that message of hope and technology and progress and advancement. And so, you know, I love what Sam Hyde does because he basically takes that aesthetic and he combines it with this, humor that you know he does he has this video called he can't he can't get any pussy and he's like just crying you know he's just crying but he's like he's making fun of the bug man you know this is the common phenomena right now is we have really weak men who will do anything to be complacent to women you know and he's just like riffing on this and so i think i think people will gain a lot more out of that than than you know everyone sort of like wanting to go back to the 1940s and you know, it's like I think it's just the way of the future So I think it's more creative and and dynamic to, to go with the way you're talking about Peter So
0: okay, guys, Sorry, I just have to give a little bit of an update on something um, which is that Earlier you might have heard that coach red pills internet was breaking up and it was causing some problems uh, With other people being able to speak at the same time um, so I had to eject him from the conversation and unbeknownst to me he is now not able to rejoin even though his internet's working properly. So unfortunately, um, he's not joining us anymore for this conversation. Um, But you can find more from him on his YouTube channel, Coach Red Pill. And he's also on Twitter. So we've got the links in the description box below. Uh, And perhaps he'll be joining us for another chat. So you can catch up with him over on Twitter or YouTube. Um, Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead, Mark.
2: It's okay. It's okay. No, no. I just wanted to make a point, really, and it's about um, propaganda, and it's about the way we should use propaganda. Um, Again, I actually did a video about this on my YouTube channel, so I'm not going to talk extensively about it, because the video is about 20 minutes long. It's about the use of emotion in propaganda. Now, I've been in nationalism, probably, I'm not going to sound big-headed here, but I've been doing this since... uh, the year 2000 so i've been doing this for 17 years now And when i first got involved in the nationalist movement there was a leaflet that i absolutely loved and this leaflet was called immigration the facts and i love this leaflet because it was just full of facts it was Facts, figures, immigration numbers, the fact that we were becoming a minority in our own country. It was saying by 2060 we're going to be outbred. It was all supported with like bits from newspapers, bits from government officials. And this leaflet set me on fire and I thought, I've got to get out there and I've got to pump these things out, I've got to push them through doors. And I went out relentlessly pushing these things through doors. And I thought everyone who got this leaflet was just going to join us because it was all facts. It was all these, you know, important bits of information that would just enrage people. I mean, when they found out we were going to become a minority, they would surely act. They'd be all lining up to join the BNP. We'd we'd run our membership cards overnight, and, and we didn't. It never happened. There was no revolution. You know, all, my, all the shoe leather I went through was, was for nothing. I mean, it, what, what went wrong, guys? Where, was, where were we going wrong? Well, the fact is, this leaflet was very dry. And that's the problem with people on the right. We do deal in facts. We always deal. And that's good, because we're right. We are in the right. We are the factual people. But the fact is, the left have won with emotion. They have pushed emotional points. So they will have one little immigrant wash up on a beach dead, and they'll be like, oh, my God, it's so sad. This one little boy is dead. So you've got to let in a million of these people, and then we've got to be bred out. But that's so much better than one little boy dying. Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. And they play on our emotions. And what we've got to do, if we're going to be successful, is we've, got to turn it round and we have to make our issues emotional we have to give an emotional punch to our facts and this is especially true for women I mean someone was saying earlier oh do you go back in time and stop women from voting well women do vote and we're not going to go back in time and stop them from voting and that's not what I'm suggesting but they do work on a more emotional level than men and to reach out to them you have to reach them on an emotional level not a factual level and the way we do this is we go out there and we say look what happened in cologne this could be your daughter look at female genital mutilation do you want your little girl growing up in a world where this is normal and we have to put an emotional spin on our factual points because we can't just talk dry statistics to people that might work for people who are our way of thinking it might work for higher IQ people but most people are moved by emotion and if we are going to win the culture war if we're going to overcome the Marxist propaganda we have to play on the feels as much as the left have done and that's the way we have to push things we have to reach our people and we have to connect fact with emotion and we have to touch people's hearts not just their minds and Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people, there's going to be like, you know, the Jordan Petersons and people like that who, who oh no, it's got to be, it's, it's factual, we've got to win on, the, on our facts. No, we haven't. The art of propaganda is touching people and emotionally moving people. It's about reducing our points to the lowest common denominator, touching people's hearts and repeating those points ad infinitum until they join us until they come over that's what the left's got to do, and we have to w- learn from them but apply our facts to feelings
3: can i just uh, say one thing then mark uh, i completely agree with you with, with you there uh, just one thing uh, you talked about we have to show pictures and so on of uh, you know people who are killed in uh, in in terror attacks and so on i think I think yeah I think yeah that's 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 one I also think we need to um, have positive messages as well we should primarily focus on positive positive uh, memes and messages uh, of course also do that as well but uh, as a main focus do positive things I think that will have the most impact
5: well you know and people want to be good morality has always been used as a tool to sort of manipulate the masses Philosophy has been used as a tool to manipulate the masses, and that is to subvert what the, the real meaning of philosophy is, which is self-knowledge and self-discovery and virtue and these sorts of things. Uh, and it's been replaced by the narrative, by the, you know, what you were talking about, Peter, the, the cultural Marxist, the Frankfurt School, manipulators. They hijacked what it means to be moral people. And they they've turned it in, they've turned everyone into consumers and hyper-individualists and nihilists and these sorts of things. So we we have to sort of take what it means to be good and moral and and really use as you were saying mark uh, Emotional sort of messages, and I guess you could call it propaganda to really redefine what it means to be good and What it means to be cool and now we're seeing we're seeing generation Z coming up And these kids are triggering their teachers by writing Trump on the wall and stuff like this and, and they see Melania Trump and Melania Trump is so gorgeous and they get the, they see this Donald Trump and he's got pictures with Floyd Mayweather and you know that has a visceral effect on people they they have a new pathway toward being good and that's always been controlled by the gatekeepers of the major publishing houses of Hollywood that's all coming crashing down so right now is really the time it's a time for us to strike is the time for us to come out with inspired messages inspired art uh cutting-edge derision you know a lot of the things that you do kaylin I'm actually really appreciative of because you're you're right in it like you understand it and and this is just a level we have to operate
2: so. no well that's i uh, I'm pleased we agree on that is is does Kaylin want to add anything to that because again he's somebody who is creating his own alternative media channel what are your thoughts facts emotions where do you come from on this particular topic?
6: Well, we can't be co- totally, you know, unbiased with facts because we'd be, you know, it'd be impossible. We have to, you have to be able to structure things in certain ways. We can't, you know, if we if we were all unbiased, then you turn on the television and there would just be eighteen hours of raw footage on every program you watched. So it's true. Um, I think the best way to do this is just to carry on producing content that is showing the reality of what's going on in Europe um, and to not hold back or to not exaggerate, because there's no reason to exaggerate. The facts are already bad enough of what's going on. Uh, I'm just reporting on that, so yeah, I mean, that's all I'd say about it.
2: No, thank you for that. And what I'll also say as a final piece on this, um, part of the question that hasn't been answered is how do we obliterate Marxist propaganda? And I think, personally, the way to do that is through ridicule. It is through when people say to you, I saw this on the news, we as a collective group have to say, where did you watch that? Oh, I I saw it on CNN. Oh, you don't watch that rubbish, do you? That's all a load of lies. That's absolute nonsense. And you have to shame people. You have to make people feel foolish for watching this stuff. you, You don't believe that rubbish about them coming here and bringing money, do you? You don't actually believe that immigration makes us financially better off. Oh, that's ridiculous. And then they're like, oh my God, they don't want to look foolish. And then you present evidence. You present the way that immigration has actually made us financially worse off. You tell them that 80% of Muslims in the UK are out of work, that are sitting there living off our benefits. But first, you ridicule in a software. You don't obviously really rub their face in it. I'm not saying you put them in a headlock and start rubbing their face in the dirt and screaming in their ear. You know, don't go that far. But at the same time, you have to make them feel slightly silly for believing anything that they hear in the mainstream media. And obviously, now we have this wonderful alternative media. I mean, we have this. Great show that we're part of tonight. We all have our own YouTube channels. We have our own Twitter. And we're all pushing this narrative. There is now a viable alternative to the mainstream media so that when people turn away from that, they can hear real news. And I think, like we've said before, that ridicule is part of what we do. And people as well, shame, like I said. You know, grown men who are watching Rick and Morty and are using that as an actual argument. You know, if a grown man comes up to me, especially if they're in front of females, and starts using Rick and Morty as an arguing point, as a serious point of argument, to beat me in a debate, I am going to make an absolute fool of them. I'm going to show them up for the man child they are and send them home in tears. And we should be doing that. Because believe me, grown men who identify with some bizarre, geeky cartoon character need to be shamed and that's something that society doesn't have anymore we don't have enough shaming and we should be shaming people who are cretins we should be shaming people who are slobs we should be shaming people who want to sit at home on benefits drinking booze and smoking fags and not getting a job shame is something that's very important and any grown man who has a rick and morty poster on their bedroom wall believe me they should be thoroughly shamed
0: you know, I've heard about... I keep hearing about this Rick and Morty thing, and I ne- i don't know what it is. Is it... What is it? It's like Family Man or something. <laughs> Family
2: Man? <laughs> Tara. Tara's so red-pilled. She's so above us all. She doesn't even know what these things are really called.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what is it?
2: It's, all she knows so... is Zelda. All she knows is Zelda, guys. If she's not... <laughs> completing <laughs> zelda on the hardest difficulty on the master quest level she's not doing anything guys that's how awesome this lady is please someone explain what rick and morty is
5: yeah rick and morty's this show it's like it's like the new family guy but it's for people that are into scientism and quips and uh you know things uh non-sequiturs and it's It's got like a real undertone of sexual abuse to it. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, and a lot of people are drawn into it. And this uh, reminds
0: me of this thing that they're doing right now, which is that they're... I've heard this. There's this new, um, like, is it a children's sex education cartoon or something? And it's like got this little girl's vagina as apparently a character in the actual like.
3: That's that's a Sweden. That's oh, that's wow. for Sweden. They, they, they have a cartoon in Sweden uh, that they have. It's actually on the children's uh, TV program. They have a is they have a special uh, like the children's cartoon children's TV program. Uh are on children children's channel, uh, and they have um, <clears throat> this cartoon, but they have a uh, basically they have a um, a penis, and they have a vagina. Uh, cartoon characters, and they go around uh, and. Uh, do different things adventures they fall in love they kind of uh, quite suggestive things maybe a little bit here and, there. Um, and they all make them into like these funny cartoon characters uh, and so on it's absolutely disgusting I mean and, and what
0: age is this for and what time of night is shown up uh,
3: this, is, uh, on, this is on uh, children's uh, channel so this is for like um, uh, I believe something like 3 three, ten years, uh, something like that. It's, it's like for really young people.
0: Steve, I uh, see your eyes popping out of your head right now. What are you thinking?
5: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, it's horrifying. Um, like I watched this video of oh my god, this rapper Nelly and he's doing a show in Montana. Montana of all places and he brings a young girl on to the stage and you know he starts sort of like Romancing her a little bit and and they start doing the song and he's like rapping in the micro she's like 13 and he starts twirling her hair as he's talking to her and This stuff It makes my blood boil. I mean that's why my eyes get so wide because it's so far Beyond the bounds of decency and and what I would tolerate in, in my own life that I'm just shocked that this exists, but I know that it exists because state media especially it seems to be in scandinavia is just particularly perverse uh, you know some of the things that are coming out of germany as well where they show oh how to mate with a migrant you know oh go meet go meet migrants so you guys can have sex to me this is just like my god it's 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 an it's, an, it's on another planet to me i mean it's so perverse
3: Do you mind if i sh- you mind if I put up a uh, screenshot on the uh, screen of the, ca- of the cartoon I just talked about in Sweden? Sure, as long as
0: it's not going to get
3: me kicked off YouTube. <laughs> no, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think so, because the, the video itself is on YouTube. Uh, so you probably wouldn't get kicked off YouTube, I guess. Uh, it should be H- age yeah, restricted and everything, uh, but uh, it's not. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can put it up here. Uh, can you guys see it? Oh um, my
0: gosh.
3: This is the cartoon. So here you have it's called. It's basically called uh, uh, well, it's called "stoppen och snippan," which means uh, that's the slang for penis and vagina in Swedish. Uh, so these are the cartoon characters they were. And, and parents actual... actually
0: let their kids watch this. Well, yeah, this, uh... is
3: this, actual, uh, this is actual this is actual children's program on TV.
0: Right. I mean, I'm you know what the strangest you. thing is, Peter? I was thinking about a different cartoon that happens to also have mm-hmm. a talking vagina in it and show it to kids. So that must be in a different country. So it was,
5: on Netflix, the one that you're talking about, Tara.
0: Yeah, do you know anything about that one? Sorry, I just see these random memes and I'm just like, okay, interesting yeah, information.
5: I, well, so, I saw the trailer for it and that was just like, I was like, I'm done. I mean, it was, you know, some kid masturbating, you know, and that's shown in the trailer for the cartoon show. So it's too far.
3: I think I think one thing you can take learn from this uh, this this Swedish cartoon. I, ju- I just want to point something out uh, is the propaganda here. You see, they they go after them when they're young. You see, it's a very genius way. If you looked at how those cartoon characters were drawn, it's a very genius way of uh, indoctrinating children. You have these funny looking uh, cartoon characters, but then they sneak in this degeneracy right in there. Uh, and uh, it just uh, goes also subliminal, really, for the kids. So they watch it, and they think, oh, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, this is cool. Oh, this is lovely cartoon character, you know? Um,
0: yeah, this is truly disgusting. I mean, I feel really bad for these kids. They shouldn't be exposed to that kind of thing. Um, no. Well, Kaylin, I- we haven't heard from you. You look a little bit busy, but do you have any comments on this?
6: Not so much, really. It's a subject that I don't really normally talk about very much. Uh, I was just sort of waiting for the next question to sort of jump in.
0: <laughs> okay, um, Mark, maybe you got some questions for us.
2: We have one more question um, that I've noted down anyway, because um, usually I only take it for two hours, but we've we've really been on form tonight. We're coming up for three hours here. It's uh, somebody wants to ask a question about the Boy Scouts, an English creation which now has to allow girls in the USA despite the girls having a Girl Scouts movement and they want to know what do we think about girls being forcibly allowed in the Boy Scouts movement? Is that something you'd like to comment on, Caitlin?
6: I mean, these things have been going on for ages. You know, you don't see any uh sort of women want to be involved in, you know men want to be involved in women's you know only movements or anything like that it's only the way around people only see any inequality when it's when it suits them so this is just complete nonsense uh it's called boy scout so it's four boys i don't really see the confusion there uh it's it's really a non-issue i don't see why it's even hit the mainstream media it's complete nonsense uh, even if girls did get the chance to join the Boy Scouts, they probably wouldn't really like it so it's just one of those things where you know you're not included in something so you feel very excluded and it's very sad and then finally let you in and uh, you don't really enjoy it so it's kind of nonsense really
5: and, and nobody nobody is happy about it the boys't the boys don't enjoy it the girls don't actually enjoy themselves so the whole thing is kind of ridiculous It, it reminds me of this film that came out. Called the Ringer with Johnny Knoxville, and it came out when I was a teenager. And he, Johnny Knoxville, joins the Special Olympics, and he's he's not a, he's not disabled, so he's like the ringer, right? He's like the the guy that's going to do really well on their team, and, and that was like hilarious to us back in the day. But now it's real life. I mean, you have a weightlifting champion, I think, coming out of New Zealand, and and it's a she, and and she's just destroying all the records. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm I'm happy to be here. It's clearly a dude. (laughs) And then the next Olympics, I think they're not even going to test for gender. So it's going to get to levels that are just heretofore unseen, absurd. And I think everyone's going to see it and go, whoa, and we're going to step back from the brink. So, you know, I'm not so much for controlling it now. I kind of want to just see, because the other thing is people are really tuning out. People are tuning out of the Olympics. It takes all the fun out of it. People aren't sending their kids to scouts. So people are tuning out. So the, the few that are left will probably mostly just be leftists and shills for the establishment. And it's gonna blow up in their faces and we're all gonna have a good laugh about it. So that's, that's me being optimistic here. So,
2: Well, I think a lot of this is um, really about the emasculation of little boys. What they want is a situation where every young white male is feminized. And I think by blurring the gender lines and by allowing women into male-dominated things, that naturally makes these male-dominated um, groups far more feminine. I remember I was part of um, the Cub Scouts and the Scouts when I was younger and we used to go camping. It was a very male-orientated male male-oriented thing. You know, you, Put up tents, you play games, you do group activities. Now, the dynamics of that group would be completely altered if females were involved in it. And I also believe a lot of the physical activities, the rough and tumble, you know, the events, which they weren't fights, but they were physical events, games like Bulldogs. They would all have to be watered down if young girls were involved. And I think all of this, again, is part of this insidious plan that I was discussing earlier, where they are pushing an agenda to destroy the West. And they don't want young boys to grow up to be warriors. They don't want strong, young, masculine, white men. They want us to be weak. They want us to be effeminate. And believe me, the exact opposite Is being pushed in the immigrant communities that are starting to dominate entire cities and large parts of other cities. Young Muslims are grown, are brought up, young Muslim males are brought up in a very masculine environment. They are taught to be men. They are taught to act like men. They are taught that it is desirable for them to want to be men. On the other hand, that isn't for the white man. We're to be weak, and this is all part of that. Peter,
3: you seem to be munching away on your tea. Do you have anything to add, or...? (laughs) Well, I'm just having my Norwegian um, lefse here. Uh, It's a um, flatbread with uh, cinnamon uh, and uh, butter kind of cream filling in it. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I think you're making a very good point. They they, They have all the migrants that are very masculine. Meanwhile, they are feminizing. Uh, our own people, and I think that's um, that's a very good point. I think I just I just want to elaborate a little bit on that. Um, that's a very deliberate plan. I think what they're doing, they are from all, all kinds of things from the from the propaganda they're pushing on uh, TV, uh, trying to feminise the men uh, to up until all the way to stuff that they are likely putting in our foods and uh, and water and so on. Um, you know. Faith Goldie talked a lot about this, the soy soy being a problem, uh, and so on. Uh, you know, if you look at the amount of testosterone among Western males, it has uh, dropped dramatically uh, the last 50 years or so. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, males in the 50s actually had twice the testosterone that males today have. Now, think about that. They actually had twice the amount of testosterone. That's, that's going to make quite a difference in how... In how people behave, and in, in how men can actually protect protect their countries uh, from invaders and from uh, from threats. You know, look, look at look at how the look at how they fought in World War Two. Um, I mean, I, 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 I could just imagine seeing these beta soy new males uh, cocks uh, you know if they would have to go into like a world war 3 scenario like uh, like they did back in the 50s They would like I mean they would probably die of uh, fear before they even got there <laughs> I mean that's that's how feminized they are
5: Yeah, they would well something. I wanted to add to what you were saying Peters Okay, so I got to come back to Sam Hyde Sam Hyde is the man, so if you guys haven't watched Sam Hyde watch Sam Hyde watch million-dollar extreme uh, the guy is so woke and in million dollar extreme there's a skit they have where they basically have bullies and these bullies are just knocking the crap out of kids and you know the leftist in me was like oh god you know this is oh that's so bad and you know suddenly i'm having like ptsd flashbacks to obama pushing the bullies documentary that came out you know at the height of obamaism and but it started to catch on with me that hey actually bullies are an important part of society if we don't allow bullies and I'm not saying they can do be criminals but if we don't allow boys to be masculine and to enforce a hierarchy a social hierarchy where they say okay the bug men don't get to run our society the, the beta new males don't get to run our societies or the alphas we're the big swing of dicks in the hallway we're gonna shove you in a locker sometimes if we don't allow these guys to be this way then the foreign barbarians are gonna flood in and there's not gonna be any boundaries by which to hold them back because we we emasculated all our, our young men. Abolishing uh,
6: bullying was like the worst thing we've ever done. Look what happened. We now, you know. 20 years ago, when we didn't class bullying as this hate, you know, horrendous act, we had young boys who were, whenever they started acting like these soy idiots from Vox or from Vice or all this nonsense and started screeching and screaming and attention seeking, they had it beaten out of them. They were told, you can't behave like this. You can't completely reject all societal norms to be a complete degenerate. So they had it sort of sorted out and they left school thinking, okay, well, I got that out of my system, I was a bit of an idiot, I flirted with that, it's over. But now it's encouraged because bullying is illegal. So uh, you have these people leaving school and being employed straight into Refinery29 and all these companies and just behaving like total losers and total morons and going to you know LGBT rallies and things like that because they've been told they can get away with it, whereas 20 years ago, they would have had it beaten out of them. What a shame that we abolished bullying, what a shame.
3: Well, I don't think I don't think I would advocate bullying, but uh, I think there's definitely a point uh, back then, uh, if you were a loser like a soy male, uh, natural selection would uh, get rid of, rid of you uh, quite effectively. I think um, I mean just look at how the ki- I mean on that point, look at how the kids were playing back in the fifties. You know they were out in the wild. Uh, camping alone, they were playing on these huge, dangerous uh, uh, play uh, swings and and buildings and so on. You know, they were out fighting, you know, they were playing like cowboys and Indians. They had like, uh, um, uh, uh, what's it called, toy guns. They were shooting each other. And from what I've seen, if I remember correctly, I think in Sweden back then as well, uh, just, uh, I mean, in Sweden, just 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know the, the kids. They were out shooting with um, with air guns. Uh, you know, shooting, hunting animals with air guns in the woods. Um, you know, they were out driving mopeds by the age of twelve. But, but when I was young, uh, you know, when I was young, just ten years ago, uh, you had um, you had the kids out to drive, well, you, you can legally drive a moped when you're 15 in Sweden. But you know, they were out driving when they were 12, and nobody really cared. It was part of uh, you know becoming a man. Uh, and you know, uh, going out in the woods shooting with our guns—you know—that's part of becoming a man as well. People really didn't care. Uh, nowadays, you know, shut it down. <laughs> Stop it. It's dangerous. No, we can't. You know. Yeah, know
6: well, you today. with fritillin.
2: I'll, I'll add just one little thing to that. I, I always found it when we were when we were kids. Anyway, um bear in mind I'm in sort of like my mid thirties now you know, we used to go climbing trees, we used to go bike riding, we used to build rope swings, we used to build bridges across rivers out of, you know, logs that we found, you know, nearby that had come down in a recent storm. And we used to do all of this without any sort of protective gear, you know, we'd jump on our bikes and that'd be us off for the day, first thing in the morning. And we didn't have helmets, we didn't have knee pads, shin pads, elbow pads. You see kids now, and they go out to do some normal activity, and their parents have got them dressed up like they're going for—they're going to go and defuse a bomb with the police bomb squad. You know, like if it, if they fall off their bike, they're dressed like the Michelin Man. Well, you we I- know.
6: It's not really the parents fault for doing that. I wouldn't blame the parents. I'd blame our society for becoming more dangerous. We have more pedophiles on the street, whether that's become, you know, because we- I don't think think a
2: helmet or a shin pad would help with that, Kaylin.
6: No, but you know what I mean? It It encourages more helicopter parenting. We have more child abductions. We have more terrible things happening to children. We have more burglaries. We have more crime in general. So parents have become more protective. I don't really think it's the parents fault. I think it's, you know, our government's fault for allowing our society to escalate into a more crime-ridden hellhole by importing cultures with more crime and by allowing you know these crimes to go unnoticed so I'd say that's the real problem but I would agree with you in that you know it's you know crime is more common but I wouldn't really blame the parents I would say it's because no, of what,
2: I'm not really talking about crime what I'm talking about is young people are being bubble wrapped by their parents their parents are you know if you've got a kid now playing at the park the parents will be hovering over them oh don't don't go on that that's a bit too big for you oh don't don't take your bike out without putting all this protective gear on. when we were kids if you fell off your bike and you went into school the next day with a grazed knee it'd almost be a badge of honor you know oh look look what i've done to my leg and it was all part and parcel of growing up and it made you made you fearless it made you well adjusted now everyone's scared of doing something they're scared of somebody's just put in the comments building tree houses peoples are scared of building a tree house when we were kids we would go and find bits of wood from um, you know old boxes or you know from old trays and we, we'd take them up into a tree and we'd find some old rusty nails in the in our dad's shed and we'd go and try and nail them into the tree and build a tree house and we were we were pretty fearless and that's what made us grow up to be men yeah I, mean, I agree
6: We we developed
2: and we became, you know, now I'm not scared of the dark. You've got kids now who they grow up and they're, they're 20, 21, 22, and they're sleeping with a nightlight. You've literally got people who aren't growing up. They're not developing. They're not becoming men. And it's because we're wrapping them in cotton wool. It's okay. true.
6: It's it's hard to comment on because I grew up in Southern Ireland, a very rural area where kids were only going out in the street. People didn't have the internet or television or anything like that, so I grew up in that kind of environment. I think it taught me amazing things, but yeah, the UK culture is a complete disaster for that. coddling children, not allowing them to form friendships with anyone outside their own circles, which means they're completely unsociable losers when they leave school. Everything you said is true.
0: Right. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to wrap up now because we're coming up to the three hours and I'm just like... It looks like this is going on a little bit long, but I know we've all got a lot of interesting things to say. So, um, I mean, let's go around kind of like any last words, uh, but can't wait until Friday Let's hear from Mark. And you can give us uh, some info about you as well for people to find you.
2: No, I just want to say what I always say at the end of these shows is the audience has been absolutely fantastic. I love all the supportive comments and even the non-supportive comments. I'm, you know, more than willing to debate with people. I'm open to criticism. Thank you for turning out tonight. It means an awful lot to me. And, you know, really, you guys are the ones that keep me going. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And when I see all you wonderful people come out, honestly that's what gives me the get up and go to keep doing this so thank you thank you for turning out and i hope to see you all friday and if you can't get enough of me if you want to hear more there's always my youtube channel so you can go and check out all my old videos it's coming up to a year of me being on youtube my uh, 50 uh, second video will be out tomorrow but there's 51 out there for you to catch up on so thank you and i hope to see you all on friday and thank you to the other guests it's always a pleasure working with you you know i really enjoy the time we spend together and thank you for Tara for being such a wonderful host and good night everyone and hope to see you on friday
0: awesome um so links are in the description this time around i actually put them in there so that should help everyone to find your channels uh let's see uh peter any last words and in- let people know where to
3: find you etc yeah thank you so much for having on. I think it was a, a great stream tonight it's been going almost three hours here <laughs> new record I think uh, for for me uh, for me here at least uh, so yeah thank you so much for having me on and um, you can find me on YouTube uh, Peter Sweden uh, on Twitter at Peter Sweden 7 and on gab at Peter Sweden I also started Instagram here the, the other day I'm not sure how much uh, I'm actually useful at this, but I'm on there as well, as Peter Sweden Seven O Two.
0: Nice. Well, I've been seeing a lot of great photos from you um, of the scenery around where you are now in Finland. So that's I'm sure you'll Nor- be taking. Nor- that Nor- Norway. Oh, sorry, Norway. Somewhere up there. Somewhere up there. <laughs> okay, um, Steve. Please tell us where people can find you, and anything else you'd like to add, just to wrap up.
5: Oh sure, yeah. It's it's a real pleasure to come on, and. I'll just repeat the message that I said earlier. There's there's nothing the powers can be, there's n- nothing they can do to stop us once we're connected, and once we're cohesive. So that's really what matters. Uh, stick in there, hang in there, stay consistent, be persistent, and they will lose. Whoever wants it the most is going to win. So let's win this culture war. Of course, you can find me on Twitter, Steve Franson. You can find me on YouTube, Steve Franson, and you can find me on Instagram. So there I am.
0: Great. And Kaylin, same from you, please.
6: Well, thanks again for having me in this conversation. My views have been questioned for the first time in my life because the left are so terrified to ask a gay person any conflicting views. It's been, you know, it's been really interesting. I've learned a lot from it and I completely respect all your opinions about this. And uh, I'd love to be on again. And thanks so much for talking to me. And I'd I'd love being part of this conversation. Uh, You can find me by typing my name into YouTube or, well, that's, or Twitter, easiest way.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, thank you for being so willing to discuss and uh, not being scared off by having like five different people against you, basically like against in quotes kind of thing. Uh, that's probably not a very fun experience. You know, I am aware of when we bring people on who have different opinions and everything, it can feel like you're being ganged up on, which isn't very good. But that's what it's like when we um, try to break out of the echo chamber. So, um, oh, I just me laughed at the end. <laughs> So, what I'll say is I'm extremely impressed with your abilities to speak for like three hours. So I'm, I'm just constantly like, oh, I'll just give them a bit more time, get it out of their system, you know, That's <laughs> conversation still going strong and everything, and it's like, oh, it's three hours now, whoa. Um, so, thanks to everyone who actually managed to listen to us for like three straight hours. I don't know how many of you managed that, but that's pretty impressive. Um, And I want to say thank you very much to Rad Russ and Dainty Brighton who have been moderating the live chat for us, keeping it civil. Um, And I'd like to ask everyone, if you enjoyed this stream, please give us a like, share it with some friends. Um, And for those who are watching after this is rendered um, as a replay... Leave a comment, tell us what aspect you found most useful and what you'd like us to talk about on Friday. We will be talking, we will be doing the same thing 2 pm Eastern on Friday, uh, 7 pm UK time on Friday. So, Wednesday, Friday is the new routine. Subscribe here, um, and we'll see you on Friday. Thanks again, everyone. Bye bye.